Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. everyone. Happy Friday. <laughs> Welcome to the opening drive. It's usually not good when people are laughing at your dancing. No, I wasn't laughing at the dancing. I was just laughing at the joyous moment that took place in this studio. Oh, Brooke was on my right dancing. Randy's on my left dancing. And we are just having a wonderful day. I hope you all are tuned in. Happy Friday. It's 7 o'clock in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. I, I wake up and uh, go to my, uh, do you guys call it X or Twitter? X. I call it Twitter. I refuse okay. to call it X. I, I'm just, I'm probably on my, you know, when you get to a certain age, Randy, there's some things you just ain't going to do anymore. <laughs> and I think I've reached that age. I just ain't going to. I'm not going to call Hinesfield uh, anything other than Hinesfield. I'm, I'm going to call it Twitter. I don't know what this X is. I don't care. And so, you know what the hell Twitter okay. is when I see so something. I go to X and I wake up to a tweet from Joe Galloway who uh, tweets me with the alert the bulletin, apparently official, that Reese's is coming in with Reese's caramel peanut butter cups. And it says, at Randy Carricker, they're coming back. Interested? And of course, Ooh. hell yes. Uh, so yesterday, <laughs> duh, I'm working out. I'm, I'm actually on the bike at the gym. And I get a text from our friend Michelle Smallman, who is well aware of my allegiance to and love for Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. And it is a video from Mike Golick Jr. about the Reese's with caramel. And it only says from Michelle, you need this. <laughs> yeah. You need this in your yeah. life mm-hmm. now. So that's uh, that's what I woke up to. I also went to sleep with a Blues victory over the Arizona Coyotes. Yes. Yeah. Hashtag LGB. I went. That? I witnessed the uh, the opening drive bump five games in a row with a goal for Bobby Tommy. Bobby Tommy. I was sweating, guys, because I really did not want to jinx him. When he brought that up yesterday, I was like, oh, I didn't think about that. Ooh, mm-hmm. Hopefully we didn't jinx him. And I was relieved when he was able to score last night because we do not want to jinx people here. Instead, we want to lift them up. There's no such thing as jinxing. Oh, yeah, there is. Uh, people get very upset about that stuff. Yeah, don't worry about that. You, Some people are a little stitious. Nah, a, little, a little stitious. Not super, but just a little. I, I agree. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. Yeah. Appreciate it. So you don't go. 
52 years without winning a championship after Scotty Bowman leaves and he goes and wins 11. <laughs> 11. And not be a little stitches. And yeah, it not be a little stitches. Uh, Smalls and I were ready to go to Enterprise Center and end the curse. We had ordered black salt. We were going to put a mirror in a bucket and get a picture of Scotty Bowman. We we were ready to rock and roll. What Whatever does the mirror it? in the bucket do? Uh, so you put, what, apparently, what you do. We, we, you, have you done this before? You, uh, well, no, but we were prepared. We <laughs> okay. were fully prepared. As a matter of fact, we were ready to do it in January of 19. We were mm-hmm. ready to head over to uh, the statues over at Enterprise Center. And what you do is <laughs> just look it up on the internet. We, we didn't have access to a witch. So we needed oh, to do okay. something else to reverse the curse. So what you can do is get a bucket with black salt in it and you get a mirror and then you get a picture of the person that has provided the curse and have the person looking in the mirror and then there is a mantra that you have to say like 10 times to reverse the curse. Fortunately, we didn't have to do that. <laughs> Fortunately, because that sounds a little uh, we were prepared. A little dangerous. I yeah. don't know. Uh, yeah. I do believe in conjuring up spirits, so I, you know, I, <laughs> superstitious, <laughs> no, but you know, I, you get to playing with spirit mirrors stitious? and spirits. Spirit stitious, very. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Who was the, so who was the person that gave the blue the curse. Scotty Bowman. Oh, so but you were going to have his photo. He, he just didn't left. do it. He, yes, he, he, did. he didn't do it. He, he, it wasn't his fault. Well, he kind of left. Okay. And, and he didn't leave on good terms, so he left on bad terms and said, St. Louis shall never win a Stanley <laughs> Cup. <laughs> and we, we got the lucky. The curse uh, is broken. Yeah. We, we needed somebody else. We needed somebody else who was kind of a mentalist like Ryan O'Reilly. To uh, oh, overtake that, curse. he was and he was a very spiritual guy. So I can yep. see him finding a way to break that. Now, should we be doing this for the Blues power play? Yeah, one for uh, <laughs> okay. what are we? 30, 38. One, th- one for thirty-five. Oh, for 35? seven last yeah. night. Is it thirty-five? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a low percentage. I can't. I can't, I can't do math. Yeah, you said math is early. Math then, is hard. Yeah, yeah. early, especially math. early. Yeah. If you are a brilliant math person, if you see math in your head, you can go and join us on our Air Alliance team studio cam. Uh, just go to YouTube, 101 ESPN STL, or you can send us a text. No calculators allowed. Send us what the percentage is of 1 for 38. 35. Is it 35 or 38? Uh, the percentage. 35. One for 35. One for, one for 35. Okay, yes. one for 35. So <laughs> we, what, what is the percentage? Do, do it in your <laughs> That's head. That's my new saying now. <laughs> do it in your head and, and send it to us. So here's the way things, uh, fortunately for the Blues, things unfolded last night against Arizona. So uh, we're rocking and rolling, scoreless game, and uh, Oscar Sundquist, 216 in. Sonny came home. Marana's going to take it into the zone down low. His pass ends up hitting the referee. Booz walking in front, shoot, he scores! Right on the doorway. Mr. Reliable. Oscar Sundquist has put the Blues on top. 17.44 to go in the first period. A broken play as a centering pass actually knocked down a referee. Sundquist finds it, tucks it in, and the Blues have the lead. So it was one nothing, and then at 9.07 of the first period, somebody named Liam O'Brien cross-checked Sammy Blay. <laughs> then he ran up, uh, skated up behind him and grabbed him. Blay didn't even see it coming, and this guy drops his gloves. It Like, if the NHL had a video for the instigator penalty, this would be it. But O'Brien is only 
charged with cross-checking against Blay, roughing against Blay, and then our old friend Matt Dumba gets a boarding penalty against Cairo at 9.16. So the Blues have a five-on-three virtually for two minutes and then four-on-three for two more. And we scored, right? We, we, uh, so uh, when you no. get a five-on-three, it, I mean, you you got more guys, way more guys than they way got. It, maybe we need a five-on-two. <laughs> <laughs> five-on-one? Five-on-none? Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I use one or old, none? I, I use the old line with uh, Alex after the Coyotes killed it off. I said, can't we just decline these penalties? <laughs> it's not working out. And the fans yeah. booed. Yeah. And the, oh, man. And, yeah. and the momentum, and of, the game, yeah, momentum mm-hmm. of the game changed. And Lawson Cross scores for Arizona at the 15-44 mark of the first. But then in the second period, Bobby, Tommy. Which name it's far side Score! straight games and he gives the Blues a 2-1 lead six minutes into the second period. I think he's actually actively thinking about not being jinxed. <laughs> so he's, he's shooting the puck. And uh, that was the last goal of the game. Blues win by a score of 2-1. to one. And the Blues overall played a really good game. They outshot Arizona 33-20. to 20. They had more hits, 16-14. to 14. Uh, Obviously, they did not do well on the power play. But overall, Craig Bruby, what did you think? We played a solid game. I mean, third period, they made a push. But uh, I thought we defended well. Did some, you know... We, I would have liked us, you know, just to control the third a little bit better. But overall, solid effort by everybody. Yeah, very solid effort. And a 3 and one homestand. You take a 3 and one homestand, especially with the way this team is set up. And the reality of the situation, guys, is Doug Armstrong said it before the season started. I would, I would feel good about finishing in third in the division. Right now, Winnipeg is sitting in third with 16 points. The Blues back into that second wild card spot as we speak with 13 points, a point behind Anaheim. Well, it is November, early November. Mm-hmm. I still think that whatever is going on with special teams right now, because as we mentioned, going 0 for 7 on the power play, 1 for 2 on the PK <laughs> last night, uh, they did play an overall good game, but the special teams is still looming. It's like this dark cloud that just feels like it's continuing to fall the blues. And I just don't know if it's, it has to be mental at this point, right? It, you would think so. so. And personnel. And Guys, I said this to, to Curbs last night, and I know nothing about hockey. I mean, I, I schematically, I know nothing about hockey, okay? I can watch a game. I can, I can evaluate a game, but could I coach a game? No chance. But I do remember watching when Al McKinnis, who might have been the best point man in the history mm-hmm. of the league, would be on the point for the Blues. And the goal, even with really good players, the goal of the Blues was to get the puck to McKinnis at the point, and he would fire away. Let it loose. Let, Let it rip. rip. You've got a guy that can shoot in Pareko. Just put Pareko on the right point and tell everybody, get the puck onto number 55's stick. And then have somebody else go stand in front of the net. And Colton, you need to tell him, don't worry about breaking ankles. Because that's one thing Al will tell you. He didn't worry about breaking ankles with his shot. That's what where the Blues need to start. You talk about total simplification, and this is as simple as it can be. Get the puck to the point and tell your point man who has a 100-mile-an-hour slap shot, let her rip. I, I, I asked Jamie about that yesterday. I, I, I didn't understand. I don't understand why they don't just let it rip. I mean, at some point opposing players are wise enough to say, you know what, the hell with that. I'm, I'm not going to stand in front yep. of it. I mm-hmm. I love the team, but I don't want to get my ankle broken again or be have my shins hurting my legs. I don't I don't need that type of pain in my life. So they tend to move out of the way at some point. And then you have opportunities where maybe that shot goes in, maybe you get a rebound. I don't know what the 
I don't know what, Brooke, you said it. Maybe it's mental. Maybe it's, you know, talent. Maybe it's just an inability to do it. But you shouldn't be this bad. And if you have a five on three, there is no way you shouldn't come out of there with a goal. No, there there is no way. By the way, the percentage. Thank you, everybody, for getting all the texts in. Because as we mentioned, math is early. Math is mm-hmm. hard. Uh-huh. Uh, the percentage is bad, is what somebody said from the 636. <laughs> uh, we did get a more resounding uh, 2.8%. And that would put them dead last percentage-wise in the entire league when it comes to the power play. Now, the NHL has them at 2.9. Ooh. So are you saying that that people are not mathing early? It's early. So the extended fraction is is 2.857, so the NHL uh, rounds up. Okay. There you to go. To the 100th of the... Uh, So they're they're right. Six percentage points behind number 31, Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are 32 teams how many, in the league. How, how many goals do the Sharks have on, on the power play? Uh, let's oh, see. No, Gary, no, we don't need to know that. I think we can. By the way, they beat Edmonton last night. Uh, the Sharks actually are 21st in the league at 17.5%. Wow. So, oh, how uh, many games have they won? Two? Three? Two, no. Two? Two. Yeah, they're on a roll. Awesome. Mm. Yeah. They got. More, oh, more yeah. games when we have power play goals. Speaking of on a roll, the Bears beat the Panthers <laughs> last night, sixteen to thirteen in Thursday night football. Uh, Bryce Young uh, and his team fall Riveting to game. Yeah, fall to <laughs> yeah. Tyson. Tyson Division Two guy. I feel like you should get compensated for watching man. that game. If I'm being honest, so should Al Michaels. Man. Al Michaels. Like, come on, man. Jeff Bezos got to be sitting there like, yeah, you, you're killing me here. I paid a lot of money for this, and this is the product that I get. He's gonna, he's gonna have to, he's gonna renew his his, his deal. And say, <laughs> they hey. wouldn't even let him buy the Commanders. That's ridiculous, right? I mean, it, it's a shame. It's too bad. I don't know if he would want to invest in the NFL anymore after <laughs> after this slate oh, of games man. that he's getting on Amazon. It's, I don't know what else to say. Who about the hell those thought that teams? this was gonna be a good good matchup? Even if Justin Fields was healthy, yeah. even if Bryce Young was, I mean, they, come on. Tyson Bajan doesn't move the needle for you? I mean, no. (laughs) Both of these teams had the – the Bears were the number one seed. Uh-huh. Number one had the number one overall draft pick last year. Uh And they traded it to to the the team that they played last night. The thought process is this. Are you going to be excited next year to watch the Colts – to watch Anthony Richardson face off against C.J. Stroud? In his second year? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that they, they thought potentially those the quarterbacks could be good. Yeah. Have, they so not that watched, the have they not watched any football? Fair point. <laughs> Here's <laughs> the way this thing. By the way, so uh, the first prime uh, Amazon Prime game was Vikings and Eagles. You like that one, okay? Vikings were in the playoffs last year. Eagles were in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Second game, Giants were in the playoffs last year against the 49ers. They were in the playoffs. You're thinking, okay, that's pretty good. Thirty to twelve in favor of the Niners. By the way, the first game, Eagles and Vikings was 34-28. Third game, Lions, Mike Mart said, that's a team nobody wants to play in the playoffs, uh, taking on the Packers finale from last year. That's their third game. Not bad uh, when you're thinking, okay, heading into the season. Fourth game, Bears and Commanders. Okay, no, you didn't want that. No. no. Fifth um, game. Not great. Fifth game, started. Broncos and Chiefs. From a competitive standpoint, uh, you, you get Mahomes and you get the Chiefs, right? But but from a game competitive standpoint, you don't want it. 19-8 to eight Chiefs. Uh, then week seven, Saints and Jags, no, nah, you, you didn't want that, even though the, the Jags were a playoff team last year. And then Bucks and Bills, yeah, no, nah, you knew Baker no. Mayfield. Uh, and then Titans and Steelers, all due respect, guys. Hey. Uh, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was in tune. But was it wasn't in. going to be an offensive <laughs> no, showcase. It, wasn't. It, wasn't it was going 20 to, be, to 16. It yeah. was. 
And then the next it's one was house. Panthers and Bears. <laughs> Brutal. But then next week you get Bengals and Ravens. Okay. Now we're now we're we're yep. we're moving and grooving. And then the next week after that, you were and this was the Black Friday game. Dolphins and when you made the schedule, it was different. Dolphins and Jets. So Tua against Rodgers, and the Dolphins were a playoff team last year. Mm-hmm. Seahawks and Cowboys, every network, doesn't matter who the opponent is, everybody wants the Cowboys. Uh, then Pat- Patriots and Steelers, who knew, besides me, <laughs> that the Patriots were going to suck. Who knew? Oh, uh, no. And then Chargers and Raiders. <laughs> so actually no. the schedule. They got a lot of divisional matchups, yeah. which I think, I-, I see what they were doing there, but. Come on. It's still really, really bad. Yeah, All right, we're off out. and running here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Lindenwood closes out their season tomorrow, and they are going to take on Bryant at Harlan C. Hunter Stadium. We're going to talk to Jed Stewart, the head coach of the Lions, next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Crimson, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, Lindenwood, and the radio station celebrating 75 years this weekend. I got my first radio experience at KCLC at Lindenwood, and so I'm very proud to be a Lindenwood alum and the Lindenwood football team taking on Bryant in their season finale tomorrow in St. Charles. The head coach of the Lions, Jed Stugart, joins us now on 101 ESPN. Coach, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. Good to be on you. I, I figure, Randy, they should have that studio named after you by now. I think, huh? We got a good booth on that. Yeah, I, I think I need to do some fundraising for that. <laughs> well, I was going to call you after the show and talk to you about that, but I figured we still need to get your name on that. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, yeah. uh, n- number one, your your last game, your last home game. It seems like it was just like two weeks ago that we thought uh, that we were talking to you about starting the season. Has, has the season gone fast for you? Yeah, it kind of depends on what week, but uh, yeah, but it, overall, you know, it has, you know, it's, uh, I think, I don't know if that's just getting older, you know, we, um, I walked out with uh, Jaden Littlejohn, who, who's been with us for a little while, you know, and, not, and, and this is his last game, we're walking out to practice, and he goes, well, coach, our last Thursday, this was yesterday, and I just said, you know, Littlejohn's like, 20, I've had 24 of these now, and it just seems like they go, uh, they go a little faster every time the, the whole season. So, uh, you try, with this week, we've tried to cherish every every moment, every practice, every time uh, spending together to honor our seniors. But, yeah, it kind of feels like it keeps flying by. Yeah, Coach, that's what I was going to ask you about. What do you have to say about the seniors? Because that's obviously who else you will be or who you will be celebrating this weekend. Yeah, you know, I think, number one, just it, it, there's a, always – it's kind of an emotional week. Most of these guys you've been with, uh, you know, and some of them with the COVID year, you know, you've spent a lot of time with. And, you know, we spend, you know, that NCAA, you get 20 hours a week, you know, with these guys. But, you know, you, you spend so much more time with them than that uh, in the off season, you know, in your, their office, your offices. So one of the things we did talk about, you know, uh, you know, honoring our seniors in, in uh, this, this Saturday for their last game. But we really, you know, mentioned for the last couple weeks about, honoring the seniors by everything you do, like practicing your tail off for them, playing your tail off for them, and, you know, not just in the games, but uh, cherish every moment. And, uh, you know, I feel like they've 
Um, we've had really two good weeks of practices here, you know. Um, I feel like those guys have really resonated with that. Coach, can you talk to me about, I know this season hasn't been uh, how you wanted it to be, but can you talk to me about what the second year in FCS football has been for you all and, and kind of the adapt, how you all have adapted and made adjustments? Well, yeah, Kerry, I think, you know, number one, it's, you know, we, we uh, uh, you know, this was the first season, I think, you know, where, where we had our uh, um, our first uh, Division One signing class that was actually playing, you know, no, this, and it almost this doesn't even mean a negative thing, but you know we we moved up. You know I think we we moved to Division One or got told we we're moving up to Division One just a couple of days after after signing day a couple of years ago, um, and we had just signed you know a class for Division Two, and then we moved up to Division One, and it was so you know this this current freshman class was our first uh, freshman class that and the C see those guys on the field i mean last week was such a dog fight we we you know we lose 16 10 but we we have a chance at onside kick there but you know i just there there was a great part of the game one of the most exciting parts of the game is our is watching our true freshman gabe snap to our true freshman quarterback he threw it 35 yards down the field to our true freshman Jalen smith he jumps up over two dbs to catch this great ball and in the midst of all that you sit there and realize you get this little smile inside like they, you know, our future is really bright. I mean, to just see those, you know, that just happened with, with three true freshmen, it's, it's pretty exciting, you know, so of what our future is. So learning the lessons, like learning the things that we got to improve on, I think these are seasons where, you know, we, we learn, you know, adversity reveals character, adversity reveals culture, and, you know, it, it's a great opportunity for us coaches to grow more through a season like this because you know, it wasn't, you know, last year, we didn't, you know, we're seven and three. We're we're having a little bit more success, but we had an older, mature team. You know, sometimes coaches we take for granted. You know, when you have a, a four-year starting quarterback and, and these things, it's really grown us a lot as coaches because we've had to coach so many more aspects. I mean, just think with with young teams, you gotta you gotta coach off the field so much about even what time you go to bed and how much sleep you get, and, and you know, we're counting how many times they eat at the at the, the dining hall to make sure they're keeping their weight. You know, this first year I've ever went and count, counted how many times you're getting your, your the meal swipes, you know, to make sure you're getting good nutrition. So, I mean, it's, it's all those things you have to coach, and that's what's made us, I think, even better coaches this year. Jed, this is an unusual time to end the season, November 11th. Is there anything that, that provides you an advantage in being able to watch high school playoff football go out and evaluate uh, high school players because of the, the way, the time that your season is ending? Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's, you know, we just talked about that in our staff meeting here yesterday about, you know, who's going out and who's going where. And, you know, we've, we've uh, you know, we've, we've, we're not quite full. We're pretty much full with our commitments, but, you know, we're to, to be able to go get a quick, uh, a quick or a early start on our 20, you know, our spring recruiting or our 25 class, being able to watch them play. A lot of them are still in the playoffs. And of course that's all over. You know, we have guys going in different States too, but especially around the area, you know, we've made St. Louis such a priority in recruiting and, and uh, you know, yeah, it is a big advantage, Randy. And, you know, we got, uh, you know, we're, you know, that's one thing we're highly motivated about is, uh, you know, I can't wait till signing day to, you know, when people get to really see this class that's coming together, I just, uh, you know, I just kind of kick, you know, pinch myself a little bit of some of these uh, just last weekend or last uh, recruit. You know, we got another official weekend this weekend. And, uh, you know, to tar- you know, I always look at recruiting classes like, you know, who do you sign 
um, you know, the first guys you go after, your first guys that you've offered that you've you've rated the highest and everything, what percent of those do you end up landing? And that's what I'm sitting here looking at is like how many guys that we've offered a long time ago that we're going to sign. And it just is, it's really exciting. And, and some of those victories that we're getting against a lot of our, uh, you know, people we're recruiting against really shows a great future for Linwood football. That's that's what I'm really excited about. We're excited about it, too. We can't thank you enough for your time every Friday before games this year. And go get them tomorrow against Bryant. Good luck. Thanks, y'all. You have a, you have a great weekend. You too. Thank you, Coach. We'll see you tomorrow. That is uh, Jed Stugart. He is the head coach at Lindenwood, 1 o'clock tomorrow in St. Charles. Meanwhile, the Fighting Illini are going to host Indiana tomorrow. Illinois is a 6.5-point favorite. And oh, Mizzou yes. is a 2-point underdog at home against Tennessee. ILL. 2-point underdog, huh? Mm-hmm. And somebody uh, on ESPN picked Mizzou in the upset. I, I don't remember who it was, but uh, they think that Mizzou's going to rebound after their loss against Georgia. I think we tend to look at Mizzou differently because we have, whether it's positive or negative, we have an emotional investment because we see them all the time. I think people that don't see Mizzou all the time and look at them from a 5,000-foot view, I think they have a different viewpoint of Mizzou. I think people actually, Greg McElroy not this past week, but the week before, he raved about the Mizzou program. He said, hey, don't sleep on Mizzou. They're real. And uh, there was another piece about them this week at at ESPN.com and another one at CBS.com. People really like the way, and maybe these are, I have no idea if these are Mizzou J school grads, but (laughs) people seem to like the way the program is growing. Uh, Yeah, and how can you not? Because Eli Drinkwitz took, I believe, a huge step forward this season. Bringing Kirby Moore, I think, was a fantastic decision. I think it's shown more of their offensive versatility. Brady Cook, his progression is something I really look to. And then Luther Byrne, a big question is what this offense and what the receiver core would look like without Dominic Lovett. And I don't even think people are even thinking about that even more because you've had so many receivers with Luther really leading the pack, in my opinion. I think that with him stepping up and the other guys, you're not even thinking about that. And Baker, what he's done defensively Mm -hmm. for Mizzou has been really impressive. They got a good they have a good team. They have you have to take care of your business, though. You got an opportunity in front of you. You're at home against the top 25 team in Tennessee. And you, <laughs> the thing that I think bothers me, I, Missouri football doesn't bother me. Missouri football fans bother me. That, <laughs> that, that's what bothers me, the, the inability to be realistic. Because all I hear is excuses. And Randy, you know I hate excuses. Mm-hmm. I, either you did it or you didn't. And if you didn't, don't tell me why. Get it done next time. So they had an opportunity last week. They didn't take care of their business. They have another opportunity this week. Take care of your business, and we don't have to hear about what ifs. Yeah, and by the way, uh, there have been 25 teams in a row that didn't take care of business against Georgia. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, the fact they were going toe to toe. But Randy, with what you were saying about sometimes with Mizzou fans, I noticed this whenever I came here and just talking with Mizzou fans. And Rock, you can attest to this because I notice it with you sometimes too. It's like you guys sometimes expect for bad things to happen with oh, the Mizzou yeah? program, like that there's some Hello? sort of curse wonder, or something like that. I wonder that. why. <laughs> I wonder if there's evidence, rationale, <laughs> it's reasons, almost like you guys, causes. Even if there's good things, you're waiting for the shoe to drop yes. is what it feels like. Well, Always. Yes. There was a fifth down play. Here's the thing. Here's there, the was, there, there was a kick six. Can I, can I tell you all the difference between Illinois and Missouri And that's not a negative thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. At Illinois, we're just like, cool. Like, we understand who we are. We aren't. It, it, we hope for the best, but you know, if it doesn't happen, we don't. We don't. We don't. Oh, 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 oh it's gonna happen now. Man, what if the fifth down doesn't happen? 
What if it does? Where's Mizzou football? It, it, probably right here where they probably are right now. I disagree with that wholeheartedly. But it did happen. We live in a world where things actually take place, and you have to overcome them. Yep. That's how life go. Yep. <laughs> you don't get to say what if. No, it happened. It, but, the, the kick but six again, happened. I'm not, I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm saying this is why it affects people's mindset. This is this is the, this is <laughs> that's all that, eight that's seven zero. Carrie is so annoying because I, I tell the truth. I know the truth is hurtful. He's so looking there are places the where we right go now. to heal, and the truth helps us become better. So are, are live you, in your truth. Yeah. Are you telling me that there are no Illinois fans that ever expect them to win? No, there are. Okay. I, Randy, I got in. <laughs> Randy, Randy, Randy. Listen, I got in a car every weekend <laughs> for three years to go to Champaign or to drive to some Big Ten city around the country. Every weekend during football season, and every weekend on my way up, I said, "Man, you know, this is gonna be a good week." And every weekend on my way home on Sunday, why the hell do I keep coming up here? CD. So <laughs> I, I get it. Carrie, you'll relate to this better than anybody else that's in. In this room, but uh, the first time I ever wa- drove by Rams Park was a year after they had left. Mm-hmm. All right, and I'm driving by. I'm going to uh, uh, like a, a flooring store or something in inner city. Drive by Rams Park, and I look at it, and I realize that I had Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> I was sympathizing with my captors, oh my and I was the same way. I was okay. Stockholm well, syndrome. It, it was. I, I was uh, so I, I was beholden to being in Rams Park. It was what I had to yes. do. They had me, so I'm in there. And so I'm thinking, okay, th- th- this is how they're going to win this week. <laughs> they weren't going to win. They had go. no blanking chance. But I, and you were finally and, able to break free. And I was, I was, I felt they great. They had to leave for yeah. you to break free, though. They, they did. <laughs> yeah. they did. You weren't going to, you weren't going to leave on your own. No, they it, had to leave you. It allowed me to breathe. I couldn't leave. I was, I was, <laughs> I was captive. Yeah. And, and can oh. I say something? Because I love, I love Mizzou fans. How they Illinois hasn't done it. <laughs> we were number seventeen in the country in. Uh, 2022, man. <laughs> what the hell are y'all talking about? We were in the exact same space that Missouri is in now. Seven and one, lost them. Seven and two, lost another game. Mizzou, you're right there. You lost a game. Don't lose another one. It's the same space. What yep. the hell is the difference? Go Do oh. tell. Just, just win the Carrie, game. They, they have to love you on the Mizzou oh, message man. boards. They have to I, love I, you I, on I, the Mizzou. Would, they're going, I, they're I, on there I, right I, now. Did you hear what Carrie said today? I promise you, Carrie has not permeated yep. through the wall <laughs> this, of weirdness on those message boards. <laughs> this weekend, Joe Vitale is being inducted into the Northeastern Athletics Hall of Fame. So congratulations to him. Joey V will have his visit, his Friday visit with us next. Next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Hetman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and 
and see Hackman's expanded paint department too with brushes, rollers, painter's tape and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Joey Vitale views things a little differently. Just imagine how he looks at hockey. This is The View from Vitale, brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. Sometime that Joe Vitale is a Hall of Fame human being, one of the best people you will ever meet. And this weekend, Joe is being inducted into the Northeastern University Athletics Hall of Fame. He is a Husky, and he's on a team now that he will never be cut from. Joey V, good morning. How you doing? Hey, Randy. I'm doing great. It's great to be back in Boston, and uh, it was a great night last night. Uh, okay, tell us about it. Well, I tell you what, it was a... Um, it was amazing. Kendall Coyne, uh, of course, we all know Kendall Coyne from the USA days. She was a Northeastern Husky. She got inducted. Uh, she was here. It was the 1981 team. Um, was here uh, as well. Uh, I tell you what, some wonderful, wonderful players. Chris Emanuel, a baseball player. And uh, just wonderful people. They were all a part of it. Uh, to celebrate, we had a, an award show, a cocktail hour. And it, it's just funny to see... You know, a lot of these athletes, two of the six were, were during my era when I was here. I remember I remember them as students, and I, of course, remember myself as a student. And just to see the growth of where where they were and, and now where they're at today. I mean, looking at a Kendall Coyne who was literally trying to, like, nurse her baby and keep her quiet like a little two-month-old little boy. Uh, and then she goes up on stage, and I just remember her as a, a student athlete just zipping around the ice. And, and, of course, my wife and I with our five kids, you know, every game – uh, throughout college, there was a uh, chapel. Uh, there was a chapel down downtown Boston. It was the St. Francis Chapel. My dad took me there when I was freshman, and I was really struggling. Uh, I remember I was just such a kid. I was really struggling with hockey. You know, when you're young, you, you, the world is how, how how well you're doing in sports. You don't think anything beyond that. You're, you're so naive to think that there's any other issues in the world. And I remember I was struggling in, in hockey, and you know, I just got drafted by Pittsburgh, but I wasn't really performing very well. And he took me to this uh, St. Francis Chapel. Anyway, so long story short, I, I would go to that chapel before every single collegiate game for four straight years. I would light a candle under St. Joseph's statue. Uh, started as a superstition, then obviously built, built my faith around it. Yesterday, I, I stumbled across the same chapel, and I knelt down before the same St. Joseph's statue. I, I said a couple of prayers, and, you know, it just really hit me as it hits all athletes, and I guess every human being for that matter, that, you know, when you come back to these spots, you, you kind of revisit who you used to be, you know, and I remember just being in those kneelers and I was just such a boy uh, with, with such high hopes and high dreams. And, and you always think that, you know, nothing's going to work out the way it's supposed to. But at the end of the day, you know, I was sitting there the other day looking like my guy, like five kids, beautiful wife, awesome career and a wonderful, wonderful community of great people around me, including you guys. And uh, just life, life works out pretty good. Joey, that is amazing. It's, it's a full circle moment when you, you, you it's nothing that you think about when, while you're playing, but to be able to be appreciated in that manner, I, I'm sure it does feel great. Congratulations, brother. Well deserved. And we, we are happy to have you on every week. You are doing an amazing job and obviously have done an amazing job in your career. 
Well, thanks, Gary. I appreciate. I really appreciate you saying that. But yeah, you I mean you've been there certainly as well, and uh, you know all those all those molehills molehill, that look like mountains mm. that you don't think you're ever going to get through. And life life's going to end if I don't make this team, or life's going to end if I don't get off this this scoreless streak. Um, but it is funny. Life life always kind of works out the way exactly the way it's supposed to. And in most cases, I think for most people, probably better than they ever imagined. Definitely. Well, and congratulations also. I just want to say that we always enjoy having you on. But, Joey, I did want to ask you just some hockey, some Blues questions right now because we were discussing earlier, great win for the Blues last night, but the power play continues to be an issue. 0 for 7 last night, now 1 for 35 on the season. You've been there before, obviously, as a player, as we were discussing. Is this becoming more of just a mental block that they're dealing with when it comes to the power play? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's all mental up at this point. They have the they have the, the physical tools, Brooke, to go out there and score goals. I mean, they got some terrific players. I was up in I was up in the booth. I uh, was a couple games ago with uh, the New Jersey, some of the brass in New Jersey. Um, Jim Madigan's daughter, she's the assistant GM. Tom Fitzgerald as well. And we're kind of looking at this roster, and every scout, you know, Neil Kamadowski, I was talking to him. He's a Vancouver scout. Brooks, uh, Alex Brooks for the Chicago. I uh, always kind of mingle with some of the guys in the intermission and everyone always says the same thing. So this is a good perspective for, for scouts outside of the organization. So this is a very unbiased opinion. They all say the same thing. They say, man, look at this roster. I mean, it's not like you guys don't have the talent to be scoring goals in the power play. I mean, they're like, look, you got Jordan Cairo shot. And you got Robert Thomas, who's heating up five on five. He just can't convert to power play. Now, uh, Pablo Buchnevich, Braden Shen. Uh, what, what a net from presence. Kevin Hayes has had his, most hay and obviously his most success on the power play as well. And we all know that Tory crew can, can run a power play better than anyone in the league. So it's not that the personnel is an issue. Uh, it's really just about confidence. And I know that once the one goes in, it's going to start piling up in a hurry. Uh, I remember my days in Arizona, we had a penalty kill that on the flip side was like equally, if not as, as bad. I mean, we, it seemed like every game we were letting in two PK goals for every four chances. We were, we were flirting around 40%. It was just really, really ugly. And I remember stepping over the boards in that like month and a half stretch where there was like, maybe let's call it 15 or 20 games. And you'd step over the boards just waiting to get scored on. I mean, you just, you couldn't, you couldn't uh, shy away from the fact that we will get scored on at some point. It's just a matter of when. And, and that was a really bad mental, uh, mental fatigue to kind of set in because for so long you, you kind of get pounded down with goals against. And, and it's the same thing for the power play. It's all about confidence and, and just getting into a rhythm and just stepping over the boards with purpose and conviction that we're going to go out there and do a job. And, and in order to do that, you really have to have some success to back it up to give you that confidence. Um, Joey, can you talk to me about Bucinavich? He seems to be struggling a little bit. He's frustrated with his play. Uh, we're seeing pucks bounce off his stick. I remember Robert Thomas saying last year that you could you could pass him any type of puck and he's going to be able to control it and shoot it. Right now he's struggling, it feels like, with everything. Is that also a mental thing? He's just pressing too much or are you seeing something different? You know, you know, Kerry, it could be mental. You know, keep in mind, too, he, he is dealing with uh, an upper body injury to some degree. He missed a few games here. Um, at the end of October, mid-October, uh, he got hit really, really bad. I believe it was in the Seattle game uh, by Alexiak behind the net. He got popped pretty hard in that second game. And he's missed a little time. And, and to be fair, I, I don't know if I've really noticed him to be his, his 100% self. Mm. Uh, that, that's the bad. I mean, the good is obviously he's good enough to play. And you love, you love that warrior mindset where, where players know they're not 100%. And especially this early in the season, for them to kind of keep going out there and playing is um, you know, a, lot, a lot of credit to them. So I do think Butch Davis certainly has that personality about him. He's a he's a gamer. He loves the he loves to compete. He loves to be a part of it. 
Um, so I almost wonder if it's an injury so bad, at some point will they sideline him again? But I think that, you know, since that injury, he has not looked he has not looked completely like himself. So you almost wonder if something else is going on there. Uh, and you just hope that the health of him kind of kind of comes around because there there's a time when when he's at his best, you're right, he's catching pucks and he's snapping with the net with, with some fury. Uh, power play, he's got the authority to shoot the puck. And I just think the overall 200-foot game physicality um, is there so much at a higher level when uh, when he's at 100%. So you hope that he can kind of recover quickly, if anything, just kind of get into a better 200-foot game rhythm uh, because he's one of their best wingers, and, and he knows it too, and the coach knows it. And this team goes when Buchnevich goes. I will say that. When he's moving, when he's scooting, uh, he's at the right on that left side. And I've always said it, but one day he, he could be a winger that wins a Selkie trophy. I mean, he is that good defensively, and he's that good all around. Uh, and this team certainly, in order to keep taking steps forward, is going to need him to be to be there all the time. Joey V, one last thing. Don't know if you saw this, but Frank Borman, who is the commander of Apollo 8, the first mission to ever circle the moon, he passed away at the age of 95. If given the opportunity and uh, assurances that it was safe to walk on the moon, would Joe Vitale accept it? I don't think so. I, I don't think it's anything for me. You know what I mean? I think that you get there, and it's kind of cool, a little freaky for a second. But then you look left and you look right, Randy. I mean, it's just sand, right? Or it's rocks. Is that, is that right? Yeah, rocks, yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, I've been to some of the nicest beaches. And the first day, you're like, whoa. You know, we've all been there, right? We've all been there. It's like, whoa, this is unbelievable. And then day two, you're just like, eh. You know what I mean? The good thing about a, the good thing about a beach in Florida is, like, I can always hop on a plane and come home if I'm not liking it. You know, we went to Disney World. You know, a couple of years ago, and we stayed at the Animal Kingdom, and we had this balcony, and there's this big old giraffe. We opened this door, this big old giraffe eating this grape leaf. I think I told you guys this. Mm-hmm. And we're like, "Oh my God, kids, come look, come look! There's a big giraffe!" And the kids are like, "Oh my God!" Everyone's losing their mind. And I would imagine that's how it'd be when we land on on the moon. Like, "Oh my God, we're on the moon!" But then you know, day two sets in. <laughs> like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm chomping on a bowl of cereal. I'm like, hey, honey, the, the draft back. And it's like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> like, okay, no biggie. You know, we're, this is how we're we're conditioned as humans. Just it's the um, it's the treadmill effect of just like you just kind of find the norm. You find the medium ground always. So. Uh, again, the good thing about finding that medium ground when you're when you're in Florida is you can always come home when you get bored. But if I'm on the moon, that's gonna take a long time to get back. It's kind of <laughs> stuck, yeah. Kind of stuck. So, uh, what does today entail? Last night was the induction. Are you guys coming back today, or do you have a weekend of festivities? Randy, I'm just gonna be honest with you. Okay, I'm gonna be honest with you because you're my good friend. We had these plans. My wife and I are here with my parents. My parents are at a hotel across the street. We're we're at the Colonnade, which is an awesome hotel in Boston. I've never been. We left all our kids at home. They have school. We had these high hopes. My wife and I like revisit Boston because, you know, she went to Northeastern too. Mm-hmm. She was, you know, we, we met freshman year. So we were going to go see our old sites and go down Newberry Street, maybe go to Beacon Hill and just maybe, you know, have dinner at the North End. We have not left the bed, I think, since Thursday night. We are so exhausted <laughs> from life, and we are in this beautiful city. Awesome. Now, listen, we're not sleeping the whole time. Don't, don't get me wrong. Okay. I mean, they're, they're, yeah, we're just, we're not, sleep, sleep's not the only activity. Don't, you know, I don't want to sleep here. But we are, we are in bed, and so I, I stepped away. I stepped away for a hot, a hot 10 minutes to talk to you great fellas, because I said, hey, honey, there's, there's none of that here. I got to talk to my good friends over at 101 this morning. So, she, But she stayed laying in bed. She's sleeping in. And we do have to catch a flight at some point today to get home. I, I got to find out when that is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, Joey. Oh, my God. 
my god. Oh. <laughs> Randy. <laughs> Randy character. That is gotta go to the line. That is over the line. Uh, I guess congratulations oh, is what we should say. <laughs> Love you, Joe. Oh, man. We, lost, we lost all control. <laughs> hey, have a, have a wonderful weekend. Congratulations again. By the way, what a year. CBC and Northeastern, a couple of Hall of Fames for you. Well-deserved, and we love you, and we thank you for your time. Hey, we love you guys. You guys are the best. You guys have a great weekend. Always a pleasure. You too, Joe. Yeah. Take care. <laughs> Joe Vitale on 101 ESPN. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't say congratulations for... Yeah, you did. What did oh, oh, yeah, yeah, for... You are the... I, yeah. Six. <laughs> Good even number. Coming up. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. Uh, we can play some three-on-three hoops or three-on-three <laughs> hockey. You know, overtime. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> There's the answer to the Blues help there. Uh, yeah. Coming up next, we've got Take It or Leave It. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. I, I make myself laugh. 314-399-9646. <laughs> the only next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text in to 314-399-9646 and give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Time for Tioli here on 101 ESPN. Guys, a gentleman by the name of Ira Kaufman has covered the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for many years. He's got a podcast now and suggested on his latest podcast that after this season, when they fire Todd Bowles, that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will pursue... Bill Belichick is their head coach. Take it or leave it, Tampa would be the perfect place for Belichick to retire to. Uh, Why is that? Uh, just because it's nice and warm. I'm going to leave it. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't, you know. All year long, you can walk outside with your shirt off. <laughs> I knew. I was waiting for this. I was like, this is going somewhere. Are we? <laughs> Take it or leave it. Uh, that ring doorbell camera video careful, of Bill man. Belichick yeah, uh, isn't good and probably careful. was released for a certain reason. Listen, man, it, if people have information, if you're doing something, people know they're going to hold it for until they feel the need to let everybody know. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Uh, wouldn't it be something, though, if Brady would go to uh, Tampa and win a Super Bowl and Belichick would go there and just be an abysmal failure? <laughs> then, then that conversation, I think, uh, it's very the Brady clear. Brady way is yes. what they're going to call it. They're yeah. going to change the name of it. Yeah. The Patriot way? Yeah, it's be right. The Brady way. The Brady way. <laughs> By the way, Jason Licht, the uh, general manager of the Bucks. Was in New England, had a great relationship, still has a great relationship with uh, Belichick. They share an agent. And obviously the Glazer family has gone after Parcells and Belichick guys in the past. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. Hmm. So there has been plenty of conversation this week, last week, about what's going on at the University of Michigan and how they are sign-stealing and doing a bunch of things. And Michigan has reported that we have information on everyone. Take Mm -hmm. it or leave it. There is no penalty whatsoever. Oh, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that, too. Maybe a fine. 
It's going to be a slap on the yeah, wrist. We all know wrist. that that's no, what's coming, right? Yeah, no games missed. Yeah, I agree. Because you don't want to open up Pandora's box. Because Michigan, it doesn't appear as if they're playing games here. They'll hand all, over all of these receipts to the media. And they'll certainly take it to court. And show that everyone's doing it. Yep. So why are you punishing us? So now you got to punish everyone. And then you see the collapse of the NCAA and football, college football as we know it. Take it or leave it. Playing off of that, Connor Stallions and his refurbished vacuum business it was not actually a business. It was a front. I'll take that. Yeah. yeah here's the thing. I don't believe it for one second. I'm so invested in the story. You know what? Open Pandora's box. I am fully in on the story. I want to know every single detail because more and more that gets released, it's wild. It doesn't even seem real. It seems like the show The Ozarks. Hard to imagine that somebody could spend more time on this than Brooke Grimsley does. Oh, I've been obsessed. <laughs> you, I have you, been you obsessed. You brought up something the other day about a uh, documentary yes. about Connor Stallions. Like, do you think that people, when they do things that are wrong and they make documentaries or write books they should receive the the funds for that do you think that's okay Ooh, like I like, like connor when, would get it yeah ah, like do no. you think that that's fair like i can do all this all these mischievous things and you know just ruin a bunch of people's lives and careers but then i can write a book or make mm-hmm. a documentary and i can receive all of the the funds for well, it. it makes me think of that one girl who pretended she was an heiress. I think her name was Anna Del V. Have you guys heard that oh, yeah, story uh-huh. where she pretended oh, she was an heiress? Was a, now uh, she scammed people, and she was, was yeah, she was able to make money off of that, but she had to pay use it towards paying back her oh, victims. Restitution. So if there is yeah, like a is. way where you, I guess, stole money from people and it goes back to them, mm. then maybe. But I agree with you. You shouldn't be able to profit off your crimes. But in the case of Connor Stallions, I do want to see this whole story and documentary. You want to see a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> I need it to happen ASAP. All right, uh, Matthew, what do you got there on the text line? Take it or leave it. We're going to talk about this a little bit later, but take it or leave it. The Michigan scandal is the catalyst for Harbaugh, Harbaugh returning to the NFL. I'm gonna. Ooh, yeah, I'll take it. I'm gonna take it. He's gonna run away from this. Run away? Uh, to a lot where is he of money. Going? Either the Chargers or the Bears. Oh, I, would prefer the I Bears. can see the Bears. Yeah, I like the Bears. You played there. It's a mm-hmm. kind of full circle type of deal. Go ahead. I'll take it. Take your lead at Cody Schrader's playing on Sundays. Oh, take it. I'm gonna Leave take it. it. Really? I'm going to leave yeah. that as well. He's going to, no, he'll get a, he'll get a, uh, I mean, I don't think he'll be a high draft pick. He'll probably mm-hmm. be a free agent and he'll have to work his way. I mean, it, it's not, there are plenty of teams that need special teams guys. He can be a core special teams guy, get an opportunity here or there, uh, you know, t- run the ball, pass pro. Both Henry Josie and Larry Roundtree were better running backs than, uh, than Cody Schrader, who's a good running back. Um, and Beatty. Yeah, and Tyler Bate. Tyler. Great, great point. And none of those guys really got a sniff in the NFL. He, he leads the just, SEC in rushing right now. I don't now. think I'm, – I'm thinking about it. I, I don't know that they – I don't know that Beatty was. Beatty was really good. Yeah. He was explosive. And it's but, a special but, team or two. I don't know that – I have to look at the side. I think Beatty might have been smaller, if I'm not mistaken. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. Little that, bit. all Cody's of that out. plays into it as well. I don't – I think Cody Schrader is a really good running back. And not, this isn't just because he's, you know, in the SEC running football well. He, mm-hmm. I think he does a really good job. And his work ethic, clearly, going from D2 to a starting running back mm-hmm. in the SEC, I think that alone will allow him – you know, he'll work, he'll work his way on a football roster. Yeah. Cody, football roster. Cody Schrader is 5'9", 214 pounds, according to ESPN. You put him behind a what good enough baby? offensive line and say one cut downhill, he'll have a, and he could have a couple of good preseason games. Who are games. the other two running backs you said? Larry Roundtree. I, said, I, I don't he, think Larry. I don't Beatty think, led the SEC in rushing. His I don't think Roundtree was, was – I don't think he was better than, than Schrader. 
Just looking on, I just just you, from my memory, I, I could be wrong. Tyler I, Beatty was 5'8", 196 pounds. That's a small. That's a yeah. much smaller person. And one, yeah, it's smaller, but, but a lot smaller. My point is that he had special teams potential. But in five the same eight way. and one, that's not, not in the same way, in a different smaller. way. Smaller, unless you are running a four three four four, which I don't think Beatty did. Hmm. It's not. It's, it's different. Taking relief, the Cardinals should trade Carlson for Alex Manoa. Straight in a blink. up, in a blink, straight up. Now, let me add a caveat here. Okay. Alec Manoa was really bad last year. He was second in the Cy Young voting in his first year in Toronto. If the Cardinals have somebody that can fix pitchers that are broken, then you make that move. To this point, our pitching coach really hasn't fixed a broken pitcher. So until he does that and I can build some confidence in that, I'm not going to make that move. I don't need... Alec Manoa had a really bad year. He might have been the worst starter in baseball last year. But he's got stuff. He's got demeanor. He's got attitude. Under normal circumstances, 98% of the time I'll do it, but I'm not confident that the Cardinals can fix him right now. Do you give Dusty Springfield some credit, not a starter, but Jordan <laughs> Hicks and what he was able I to do. turn around last season? I what do. about Steven Matz when he, before he was injured? No. Okay. No, Steven Matz just went back to Jojo being... Romero? Yo-yo. Uh, Yo-yo? Yo-ho. Yeah, I, I can go there. I can go there. Yeah. You can go there? Yeah. So maybe... Maybe. Maybe it's just because I agree. I think that that would be a fantastic trade. I want that to happen. Maybe that could be a possibility of working out for the Cardinals. But I do agree with you. I just, I've been saying this. I want them to supplement the coaching staff. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Are are they going to trade straight up one for one? Uh, that's what they're saying in Toronto. Well, hey, we've made Toronto. a few trades with Toronto. Toronto. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, one more. Yes. Take it or leave it. The next big Travis and Taylor headline is the breakup. No, okay. I'm going to no, leave it. He's going to Buenos Aires. Yes, he's gonna, he is. He's did you hear this, CD? CD, did you hear this? And I don't. No. Yes, you do. I have it. What, what do I need to know? You need to know that Travis is going to go see her, right? Yeah. Randy? He's going to spend the week with her. The bye week, yeah. He's going to spend the whole bye week, huh? Yep. But <laughs> this, this texture is saying... So there we go. Uh, thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your texts. We do appreciate them. Coming up, Howard Eskin of WIP in Philadelphia says the Phillies probably won't re-sign Aaron Nola. So how far in on this should the Cardinals be? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler now 806. Bing, right there, 806. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, again, an official Rolex jeweler. Uh, with Brooke Grimsley and Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker, And we've talked a lot about the Cardinals and Aaron Nola and what it would take to get Aaron Nola. And Howard Eskin, who is a legendary talk show host in Philadelphia, was doing his show and was asked by his co-host about where the Phillies stand with Aaron Nola. The Phillies uh, owner, John Middleton, famously said a few years ago, we're prepared to spend some stupid money. So here is the exchange between uh, Howard Eskin and his co-host about Nola. I'm hearing the Phillies will probably not sign Nola. 
And there's multiple reasons for that because his agents, not stupid, he's, his number starts at 30 million, but it's not 30 million for three or four years. It's 30 million probably for seven years. And somebody out there is going to pay 30 million plus for seven years. From what I'm hearing from inside there, they are not going to do that. They are not going to do that. And Snell is actually, uh, I heard that name yesterday, and that is a possibility. Okay, so Max Scherzer, who has never been confused in terms of quality with Aaron Nola, mm-hmm. seven years ago, or no, nine years ago now, got a seven-year contract for $210 million. The exact same contract that Howard Eskin was referring to. Seven years, $210 million. Aaron Nola turns 31 next June. This past year, he gives the Phillies 193 and two-thirds innings. He has an earned run average of 4.46, 202 strikeouts. Year before that, 205 innings, 3.25 ERA. Year before that, 180 innings, 4.63 ERA. And he's always had a decent uh, strikeout rate. So my question is... And by the way, I will start by I love spending other people's money, and I, I would do <laughs> that. Thing and, to do. and I think I've said this before. I would do seven and two ten for Aaron Nola, uh, knowing that the Cardinals are working within the confines of a budget. Let's just assume that the Cardinals are going to start the year at one hundred and seventy-five million dollars. Do you allocate thirty of that to Aaron Nola? Based off of John Mosaic's comments, because that word prudent just continues to stick out to me, and the other word volume sticks out to me. It looks like they are wanting to be able to address the starting pitching in a way where they can still address the bullpen. I know that even a bat has been brought up in some conversations. I I see this contract, and what concerns me is his regression last season during the regular season. Now, postseason looked really good. But is there some concerns there, especially with the Cardinals' history when it comes to free agency, that you would keep him until his age 37 season or 37 age? Here's my thought process here. It's twofold. Number one, if I'm the Cardinals, I need to turn things around in a hurry. I can't let this thing spiral and let Cardinal Nation just become a thing. All right. The other part of it is. My revenues, despite what people are thinking about Bally, should be significantly higher in seven years because Major League Baseball is going to take this in-house and they're going to sell their own advertising. And there's not going to be a middleman. There's a, so the Cardinals, rather than doing something like just getting a, a rights fee, which is guaranteed, you get it, but there is no risk on their part. There is risk, but tremendous reward if you produce your own television. That's why the Yankees have such high revenues. That's mm-hmm. why the Cubs have such high revenues, why the Dodgers have such high revenues, because they've taken their television in-house. The Cardinals can do that in St. Louis if they maintain their quality, because you do have to sell advertising. But yes, I would do it from a financial standpoint for the Cardinals. I'm not worried about this year. In fact, I need this year. And I, the, the biggest fear I would have if I were the Cardinals is looking at recent history and the number of free agent pitchers that have not succeeded in their first or second year with a new team. I think I would love to see the Cardinals do it. I think them spending money would be a step in the direction that they haven't been in in the past, uh, whether it's Nola, whether it's Yamamoto, just going out and saying, I'm not saying 
spend stupid money like some of these other teams are, are as they have said, but going out and showing your fan base that we are committed to the 2024 season. We saw the error in our ways. We realized what we didn't do last year, and it cost us to lose 91 games, finish fifth, fifth in the division, dead last, and be 20 games under 500. We are not going to put ourselves in that position again. We're going to go out and show you, show our fans, show our fan base, and the team that we have here that we're trying to actually win games. No one can project if a person is going to get injured. No one, the, the the New York Jets didn't have on their bingo card that Aaron Rodgers <laughs> yeah, was right, only going right. to play four games. So when people say, well, what if they get injured? What if they don't? You know, you, you don't know. You can't play that game with injuries because you don't know. Someone's arm may fall off after the, the, the first pitch or and it may be the final pitch of the World Series. You don't know. Carrie, to your point. In the last five full seasons that Aaron Nola has played, let me go back to uh, this because he, he does take the ball. Since 2017, when he made 27 starts, came up and made 27 starts, he's started 33, a league-leading 34, 12 in the COVID season, 32, 32, 32. He has taken the ball every opportunity he's had to take the ball in each of the last six seasons. So Sounds I be, like a guy that is trustworthy. Right. I, I would buy into his durability. Brooke, one other quick thing. The best free agent the Cardinals could sign would be Chris Carpenter to be in their dugout and help their pitchers. They do, I and I totally agree. They need to supplement their coaching staff. I think that it's very clear, even though I pointed out earlier, maybe there is some credit that you could give to Dusty Springfield, mm-hmm. uh, Dusty <laughs> Balake, uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to <laughs> the progression <laughs> of you. Blake Lively. <laughs> oh, what? Blake, Dusty Blake. Oh, okay. Sorry, Dusty can't. Blake. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> it's hard to remember sometimes, but maybe you can give some credit with Jordan Hicks and Yo-Yo Romero and all that different kind of stuff, but you can't ignore what happened to the pitching staff in general, specifically the starters last season. And if you supplement the pitching staff, then you can make a lot more moves, I believe, like that would really help if they're wanting to address the volume. Now, when I was talking about the whole Aaron Nola situation and keeping him to age 37, which is what that seven years would do, I'm just trying to put on my John Mosellock thinking cap, or should I say bow tie, on what they're thinking about. (laughs) Reading between the hieroglyphics of what he's saying when he's saying prudent and volume and when you hear the money and the revenue decreasing because of ticket sales and the Bally Sports keeps being brought up. And then I look at the potential of Sonny Gray and what he will likely sign. Three years, $72 million at age 34. Doesn't that kind of sound like what the Cardinals would likely do there? Especially their yeah. fear of what happens in free agency, which we've seen time and time again. I feel like that would go into their decision-making this offseason. be so on brand for I, them. I, I just don't. I don't. And live I don't in agree world, with it. Yeah, I don't live in a world where I'm fearful of what if. I'm more fearful of what if I don't. Like, yeah. what if I don't do this? What's going to happen? I can't worry about. Oh, if he, he, what the fans. That's part of being a great leader. You don't concern yourself with with, with everyone and every voice and everything that is being said. You do what is best for your team. Now. Maybe Mo thinks what's best for their team is going out and signing Sonny Gray. And if that's what he thinks, if it if it goes well, cool. If it doesn't, then people are going to to have words or things to say. If you go out and sign Aaron Ola and he doesn't do well, I think the the cushion that that you land on will be a little bit softer. It's like it's like college recruiting. Like these these coaches, they'll they'll see a kid that's five eleven, like ah yeah, I like him. He's he's good. But if he's 6'2", playing the same position, like, oh, I want that kid. 
because it's easier to sell saying oh, that kid was a little bit smaller. He's 5'10", 5'9", 5'10". But this kid is 6'2". He's supposed mm-hmm. to be better. He's bigger. That's just the mindset. So with pitching, if you're looking at an Aaron Nola in comparison to a Sonny Gray, if Aaron Nola comes here and he stinks it up, you have a little bit softer landing spot than if Sonny Gray comes here and stinks it up. Okay, so let me play a little game here. So Howard Eskin said that he's hearing the number is 30 over 7. Mm-hmm. You call up Nola's agent and say, what are you looking for? They say 30 a year over 7, 210. If you're the Cardinals, do you say, okay, let's do this right now. 24 hours, we're going to have this deal done or we're not. Do you do it? If I'm the Cardinals? Yep, you, you yes, put it, so they, they tell you what the number is. Mm-hmm. You say, okay, we're doing it. And you put a deadline on it. Do you do you find out right now whether or not you can pull this off? Because if you're the Cardinals, you got to work fast. You, otherwise, you're going to get passed up. Well, in that 24 hours, you know what Aaron Nola's agents are going to do? Call everybody else. <laughs> Tell everybody. We have hey, the Cardinals said yes. Yeah, I want them. That's fine. <laughs> and try to get seven years, 240 million, or eight years, and try to get yeah. more yep. years, more money. Well, that's 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 part of the game. But if you're the Cardinals, you know what your number is. You so do. You just you aren't going to go to it ain't 20 anyway. million a year. Yeah. But so. it, that's what it feels like, right? And you heard the reports that Mozeliak indicated that they want to strike early, right? That they mm-hmm. want to set the market. And so you do try to do that. But it feels like we're in that anxious waiting period right now because who are they setting the market with? Is it going to be Sonny Gray where they lock him up early? Or is it going to be the Aaron Nola conversation they're going to be in? And I know that they're going to be pursuing everybody. And this also relies upon those players wanting to come here to St. Louis and what the deal is that they're looking for, if this is a situation that they believe in. But I believe what Greg said yesterday, that this is still a very appealing place to come here. You still have Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. I know that somebody texted in saying, do you trade Paul Goldschmidt? John Mozeliak was asked about that. Derek Gould has an article out right now where he asked him that question. That doesn't seem to be a possibility of no. what they're looking for this year. And my Next impression year. is that Paul Goldschmidt doesn't want to be traded. He's moved his family mm-hmm. here. He's got a no trade clause. I'm not so sure that Goldie is right now of the mindset to be traded. There, obviously, he wants to win a World Series, but he came here for a reason. Got rid of the Florida house for a reason, mm-hmm. and. I think that he wants to be in St. Louis and live his life in St. Louis. So if you are keeping him here, then that is indicating that you want a quick turnaround. Because Mm -hmm. if you wanted to move them, then that kind of signals a rebuild, a retooling, whatever you want to frame it as. Then you need to go out and get the best pitcher available. By the way, why would anybody want to trade your best player? Hmm. Why do, you, why do you want to trade your best guy? Well, because he's a little bit older, a little long okay. in the tooth, and, okay. still, and, and he's going to be a free agent after next season, and you're going to either have to decide to re-sign him or move him for something that can help you in the future. I don't want to trade my best guy. Oh. Is he is he still going to be your best guy in 2024? He'll be your in your top he'll be two? Top, top, yeah, I agree. Yeah. But... It, if you're if you're the organization and you're looking for the future, but you're, how no, many you're more looking, years? You're saying quick turnaround, quick turnaround. But you also have to you have to be able to do both. You have to be able to plan for now, but also be able to see what's going to happen five years from now and how you go through that process. When you're looking at the now, yes. When you're looking at the future, what are you saying? Is Paul Goldschmidt going to be a part of this this team in 2028? Yeah. Well, he's not. But I I believe from a Cardinal standpoint, they're going to do better with. Paul Goldschmidt at first than having Victor Scott in the outfield or Chase Davis in the outfield or somebody like that and and Walker at first. Coming up on 101 ESPN, a lot of NFL quarterback news and we'll talk about that with our NFL news and notes on 101 ESPN. You're 
back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Grimsley's Tennessee Titans have determined that not only is Will Levis going to start this week, he's going to start for eternity. Oh, eternity? Did they say that? Uh, I missed that part of the press conference. Yeah, so so, uh, Ryan Tannehill, (laughs) Will Levis is the new guy. He is. This is a new era for the Tennessee Titans, and I said this before, we are still very grateful, and I'm grateful for everything that Ryan Tannehill has done for the organization, because it's something that was needed, right? He, He was brought into a situation, we talked about it before with Marcus Mariota and he Ryan Tannehill took over and led the Titans to some good seasons here in recent years but this is what was needed I think it was a great move by Vrabel to kind of fully buy in on Will Levis and knowing that this is the situation that the Titans need to be in and with the AFC South you see so many of these young quarterbacks rising right now you look at CJ Stroud and what he's doing with the Texans you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars and how they really have built up Trevor Lawrence over the years and I was really worried that the Titans would be behind the times on actually getting in a young quarterback that could really lead this franchise because we knew that Ryan Tannehill was not going to be the long-term answer Mm -hmm. I mean, knowing his age and his abilities, we knew that he wasn't going to be the franchise quarterback for long. So I'm glad that the Titans are finally ushering in this new era. And he works well with DeAndre Hopkins, which that's been nice to see. That's a big revelation this season because I forgot that D-Hop was there a little bit with Tannehill. And now you've seen the connection they've had. (laughs) Yeah. Now, my biggest (laughs) concern is the Titans O-line. We talked about that, seeing their performance against the Steelers. And Will Levis was getting banged up a little bit. They need to do better. When it comes to that, and I don't know what you need to do. If you, I'm sorry, Peter Skronsky, if you hurt your thumb, stay in the freaking game. They, they got. Is it that up. hard? They got to toughen up. Like I, 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 again, we were watching that game. Bert, yes. You were watching it. I was watching it, and you, you were sending messages. I had never seen that many offensive linemen go down, oh play after play, series after series, like to come out of the game and offensive linemen. The hell are you doing? Yeah, they don't do that. that. Mean, no, that, that, that's they, they don't come out of the game. So. Toughen up, Buttercup. You got to get toughen <laughs> up. You got to play harder and make sure you take care of your business. The Giants have placed their quarterback, Daniel Jones, on the injured reserve list with a torn ACL. Tyrod Taylor already on IL with a ribcage injury with injured reserve. So it'll be Illinois' Tommy DeVito starting oh. over Matt Barkley for the Giants this weekend. ILL. I and I. Uh, Tommy DeVito, wasn't he a member of the Four Seasons? Yeah, um, no. Let's see here. Hold on. He, was, he went to, no. He, Tommy went to Syracuse first and then came to uh, to Illinois. Mm-hmm. And, um, Sherry Bailey. He is um, getting an opportunity. How many Thank Mizzou you, quarterbacks starting this year? Anybody? Uh, I don't know. Mizzou quarterbacks. Just the one getting time up in Seattle. He's starting? No. Okay, um, that would be no injury. He would be. I, I believe the time. That would be how many? Uh, Goose egg. Okay. I believe hey, a, don't forget about Blaine Gabbard doing a great he, job as yep. the backup quarterback. Oh, yeah, I forgot he's He actually didn't retire. That's anymore. the real job right there, I, I being a like backup quarterback. Fans crap. <laughs> uh, by the way, the baritone in the Four Seasons, Tommy DeVito, thank you very much. Oh, yeah. It's a, yeah. 
I could. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Frankie yeah, Valli, Tommy DeVito, a, Bob Gaudio, and Nick Massey. I think that's Thank a you. I'm not a good Italian. I can't. I couldn't have named anybody so. but Frankie. Frankie Valli. Oh, Bob Gaudio was our producer. He was big time producer. Uh, Kyler Murray back with the uh, AZ Cardinals, and uh, they want to scout him up. Their coach. Uh, Jonathan Gannon wants to see what he has, and uh, the Cardinals will be in great position to take one of the three quarterbacks that's coming out this year. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they, they want to take a look at the little fella and find out if uh, there's anything there. Little they fella. know what they He's have. Like five, eight. They know what they have. Gannon's never coached him, but they know what they have, and either you're okay with it or you're not. Um, I honestly don't think that they're going to be in the in the market for a starting quarterback next season. I think they're gonna because it's, I, they've done this. I mean, they, they, they drafted Rosen a few years back, and they fired him, got rid of him and Wilkes at the same time. They brought in Cliff Kingsbury and brought in Kyler Murray, and they thought that this was going to be a special pairing. And then Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, who didn't do well in college, I don't know why they thought he was going to do a great job in the NFL, so they moved on from him. And now you're sitting here trying to figure out if your starting quarterback, who you put in his contract, that he needs to watch more film mm-hmm. and play less video games. If he's You gave him the money, man. So you, sometimes you're going to have to eat that decision. I don't think they're going to move on from him knowing how much money is still owed to him and where they are, uh, where he is in, in the spot of his contract right now. And they might look at the fact that the last time he was healthy for a full season, they were a playoff team. And he was really good that mm-hmm. year. So if he's healthy and can and can stay healthy, now, again, that's a tough task when you're not a big fella, when there are big fellas tackling you yep. and hitting you. It's, uh, it's not easy. Um, but hopefully they can use some of that draft capital to protect him. They did that last year's draft. They mm-hmm. drafted a lineman out of Ohio State. So maybe they, that's the route that they go, trying to keep their offensive linemen uh, healthy and in better shape. Brooke is shaking her head. Like, I'm just <laughs> the way that you guys are saying, big fellas, little fellas. He's a, no, he's, he's, he's a wee he's, lad. Five ten, two oh seven. He's, he's not five ten. Diminutive, and he's not two oh seven. No. He's so how tall is he? Five Diminutive. eight. Diminutive. He definitely does not look five. Yeah. I wonder how big he was in baseball. Diminutive. Yeah. Uh, somebody like says word, there is a new Call of Duty game coming out today. Kyler's going to be a little busy oh, this weekend. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Right. Gotta also, check maybe, on that. Maybe don't chalk up for a great offensive game from the Blues. <laughs> oh. oh, what? Wow. What did the Blues do? That's mean. Play video games? One what other. Are you talking football now? Yep. One other football <laughs> note for you. One other quarterback situation. Jimmy G benched by Antonio Pierce in Vegas. Their new coach has decided to go with Aiden Aiden O'Connell, their uh, young Irish quarterback. <laughs> their young Irish. Can I get that one more time? Aiden O'Connell. Yeah, whose favorite golfer is Rory, Rory McIlroy. Uh, whose who's favorite baseball player is Jack Flaherty. <laughs> I can't. I can't. The What's great his Irish team? Huh? What's his favorite football team? Uh, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Thank you very much. He doesn't look very Irish. I feel misled. Aiden O'Connell. Aiden O'Connell. Neither does Willie McGee. <laughs> <laughs> and Jack Flaherty to that point. Yeah, point, yeah. yeah. well, you never know. It yeah, happens. I, I yeah. think, you know, I, I don't know, man. The, Jimmy the G might be done. It's <laughs> unfortunate, right? Yeah. That, that's that's you go out and spend money on a quarterback that you put in his contract that he 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 was going through he's had surgery before he, he even stepped on in the facility like you you knew he was going to have surgery you knew the injury history of of one Jimmy G and you still went out and signed him you basically traded you basically got rid of Derek Carr and then brought in Derek Carr and so mm-hmm. you didn't there was no upgrade for them they will be a team I think looking for a quarterback I, it depends on what this Aiden O'Connell young man does um, if he's able to play and perform 
for him, but I think they'll be looking for a quarterback in the draft as well. Now, it is really early on in the switch for the Raiders and Antonio Pierce, but does the feeling feel like that the players are rallying around him already yes, a lot more? Totally. Yes, Yeah. I feel like you can tell the difference. And they love the fact that he was a player. Yeah. That, that he, you know, he, he knows what they're dealing with. CD, by the way, one quick question here. You had dreads. You never had the tall hair going like Mm-mm. Murray or. Uh, I wonder if that's added. Like, if Murray's probably. No, you, no they, 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 <laughs> they, when I had my locks, they push your hair down as far but as they can. Maybe and... not for him so they can make him a little taller. Nah, that don't count. Doesn't count. I know it's not supposed to, but maybe, <laughs> maybe in Arizona they're saying, well, this will make him 5'10. Uh, maybe. <laughs> but he's, he's he's a small fellow. Like, he he's not a, little, a big guy. No, he's not. That's, and that's he's what I'm fast, though. He is fast. A wee yeah. little lad. Yeah, he just needs to be outside the pocket because it's hard to throw over guys that are 6'6 six, six <laughs> when they're 5'8. Gotta move the pocket. Yep. Uh, those are your NFL news and notes on 101 ESPN. Coming up, do we need a, did somebody win yesterday in the fight or do we need a fighter? Did did someone we need a fighter win yesterday and you got the jack. Brandy. Oh. He, he missed the blues I question, forgot. the Brett Hall question. You say, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Sorry you about that. You were appalled. Sorry about that. So, yeah, text in 314 Yo-ho! With your name and the word fight to 101 ESPN, and maybe I will fight you next here in the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the opening drive. I am Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Brimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Randy. Randy, how you doing? Pretty good. How y'all doing today? Doing good. wonderful. Are you uh, awesome. you ready to take on Randy Carricker? I'm going to do my best and get this weekend started right. All right, here we go. There are four head coaches in NFL history to lose four Super Bowls. Dan Reeves, Marv Levy, Bud Grant, and who else? Is it Don Shula, Bill Belichick, or Mike Holmgren? I would say that's Don Shula. First being awarded. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. Is that your final? Okay. Second question. First being awarded for the 1985-86 season, which franchise has the most President's Trophy wins? Is it the Oilers, the Blackhawks, or the Red Wings? Hmm. I'll go with the Blackhawks. There are three active wide receivers who have tallied 1,400-yard seasons for two different franchises. Tyreek Hill... Devontae Adams, and who else? Is it Brandon Cooks, DeAndre Hopkins, or Stephon Diggs? Brandon Cooks. Who holds the Blues record for a career 2-point, 3-point, and 5-point games? Pavel Dimitra, Gary Unger, or Bernie Federko? Oh, let's go with Bernie. All right, we'll double-check our score, and we will bring in Randy Carricker. Randy, how you feel? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't feel too bad, but I feel like I uh, it's different when you're uh, on the on the road driving. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Are you out driving it right now? Sounds like it. Yeah, just driving along the 70 here. Drive safe, two hands on the steering wheel, eyes on the road, <laughs> sir. I got that covered. Thank you very much. <laughs> Randy, say hello to Randy. Randy, good wow. morning. How you doing? It's like the Spider-Man thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. good, good, good morning. Have great to have you with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Show us your Spider-Man. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. Sounds great. All right, Randy. Yeah. Character. Here we go. 
There are four head coaches in NFL history to lose four Super Bowls. Dan Reeves, Marv Levy, Bud Grant, and who else? Levy, Grant, who is the... Uh, Dan Reeves. Dan Reeves. Um, and uh, let's see, has Belichick lost four? Um, he's lost to the Giants twice. He's lost to the Eagles. He's lost to those teams. Um, hold on. Let me make sure that I've, I'm right here. He's won six. He's lost to the Eagles, Giants twice. He hasn't lost to anybody in the West. He hasn't lost to anybody else in the East. He hasn't lost in the North or uh, South. Patriots, Panthers, Bucks, um, Falcons, he beat. So it's not Bill Belichick. He's six and three. Um, so, uh, again, to, to re we've got Grant, we've got Levy, we've got, who is the third? Dan Reeves. Oh, Dan Reeves. Um, okay. So let me just move around here a little bit. And I know people go crazy and say, Randy needs a, cl- a clock, but you can only do 32 teams so quickly. Uh, nobody in the, uh, nobody else in the NFC North, in the NFC South. Um, no, we haven't had enough representation in the West, uh, Bill Walsh didn't lose that. Uh, the Rams didn't have enough guys. Uh, no Cardinal, no uh, Seahawk. Uh, uh, Cowboys, uh, Landry lost to the Steelers twice. He lost to <laughs> the Dolphins and he lost to the Colts. I'm going to go with Tom Landry. Alrighty. I'm just checking the clock. Okay. A hair past freckle. Okay. <laughs> Question number two. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, that's good. I really like that. I really like that, that joke there. That's I really like that. That's the most that I've gotten carried. I know that Carrie sometimes laughs at my jokes, but he really liked that one. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm going to put that in my notes. First being awarded for the 1985-86 season, which franchise has the most President's Trophy wins? So this is since 85, 86. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go with, even though it hasn't happened in a while, I think I'm going to go with the Detroit Red Wings off the top of my head. Um, that just seems like a logical choice. So I'm going to go with uh, the Red Wings. Just out of curiosity, what do you do with Red Wing fans? Punch them in the face. Okay, just one. <laughs> <laughs> Just wondering. Yeah. <laughs> Blanking are... <laughs> Red Wing, the effing Red Wings. Oh, those guys yeah. and gals. No. Yeah. There are there are three active wide receivers who have tallied fourteen hundred yard seasons for two different franchises: Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, and who else? Hill Adams. Um. Hmm. Fourteen hundred yards for two teams. So. Uh, our guy Julio Jones hasn't done 14 for anybody outside of Atlanta. Uh, hmm. I'll do the lifeline here just to expedite things. Brandon Cooks, DeAndre Hopkins, Stephon Diggs. I'll go with Stephon Diggs. Who holds the Blues record for career two-point, three-point, and five-point games? My... Initial thought here would be the guy who has the most points, Bernie Federko. Uh, played a thousand games, thousand points. But you know what? 
I think I'm going to go with Hully. I'm going to go with uh, Brett Hull. Final answer. We have a winner in today's fight. And, Carrie, you're going to like this one. Is Randy the winner of the fight? <laughs> Ring <laughs> that bell. The winner and new champion of the fight. Average Joe Listener. Congratulations, Randy, on the phone. You beat Everybody Randy in the studio <laughs> two to one in today's fight. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. It's not. <laughs> Randy won. <laughs> hey, hey, a Randy won. That's what's important. Oh, there are four head coaches in NFL history to lose four Super Bowls. <laughs> Dan Reeves, Marv Levy, Bud Grant, and Don Shula, who lost in 1968 to the Jets as the Colts coach and then lost three times with the Dolphins, 71, 82, and 84. First being awarded for the 85-86 season, it is, in fact, the Bleepin' Red Wings, who have won six President's Trophies. Three active wide receivers to tally 1,400-yard seasons for two different franchise. Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams, and then with the Texans and the Cardinals, DeAndre Hopkins. Has he done it yet for the Tennessee? Don't, don't uh, you no? do okay, that. Okay, my bad. Who holds the Blues <laughs> record for career two-point... Th- I'm just messing around. Who holds the Blues career record for two-point, three-point, and five-point games? Brett Hull holds the record for four-point games. It was, in fact, Bernie Federico, a thousand games, a thousand points with uh, <laughs> the league, career league le- leader, excuse me, for the Blues in three of those four categories. So a th- two-to-one win today for Randy on the phone. Congratulations, Randy. We will talk to you on Monday. Sounds great. Y'all have a great weekend. You too. Bye, Thank Randy. you very much. Can I say something real quick? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Brooke is staring at you and watching the fumes come up off of your head, and she's in <laughs> awe. She is <laughs> she's just staring at you like, oh, he's about to explode. Randy, you hate losing. And I love it. I love seeing your because it's like the Michael Jordan effect. And I took that personally. So on Monday, Randy on the phone is gonna have to watch out. He's gonna have to come back. Randy character uh-huh. is uh He's Googling something. He just is. To, he's, what are you searching? Yeah, I'm just have a discrepancy. Messed up with Landry here. Oh, lost, 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 lost. So uh He has four losses? Uh let's see. He uh Ooh, lost. I love a, I love a controversy now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh let's see. Lost to Pittsburgh after the seventy eight season. Lost after the seventy five season. <laughs> Uh, lost after the 70s. No, so he was, he's only got the three. Mm. So I, I wonder, he must have won one that I thought he lost. So. That was Rock. Rock is very quiet right now. Yeah. He's checking. Whenever Randy, <laughs> so here's the peek behind the curtain. If yes. Randy, because Rock trusts himself, but Randy says, you know, one, it could be otherwise, two. then we all kind of look sideways and want to make sure. Three. Nope. No, no it, was, it was only three for Landry. Oh. Hmm. So uh, he no actually beat Shula. Yeah, the, the swing game was when he beat. No, when he, he beat Tom McCaffrey with the Colts. Huh? Yeah. yeah, he beat Shula. He, he uh, no, yeah, uh, yeah, he beat Shula. He beat Shula in '71. And that gave Shula when four. Shula was with the Dolphins. Yes, so Shula, Shula lost '71, '82, yeah. and '84 with the Dolphins, and '68 with the Colts. Got so it. So that's the swing one of '71. There you go. Yeah, he lost, he, yeah, he, lost to the, he lost to the Jets as the Colts, the, the Cowboys in 71, the Skins after 82, and the 49ers after 84. Oh, so you don't even have to peek behind the curtain. You can go to YouTube, and you can literally <laughs> you see can literally Rock sweating and Randy also calculating. Oh, no, no, no. Drive the bone, baby. Drive the bone. Drive the bone. Coming up, Jeremy Rutherford will join us in studio. We'll talk some blues hockey here on 101 ESPN.
You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. News, notes, and nuggets. It's time for the Rutherford Report with our Blues Insider, Jeremy Rutherford. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. Yeah, you know what I saw was, um, which was a bad thing tonight, but generally not. But uh, I think we just saw guys that wanted to to be the guy, um, overhandling, not executing with the puck, and not taking that extra second to make a good pass. You know, I was at fault for that uh, one time. So, um, you know, it's it's up to that group. Obviously, important players for our team, and uh, you got to ex- execute in those situations, and we didn't. So, um, you know, we we can obviously take the blame for sure, and. Um, we practiced it this week for the first time in a while. So when you, when you practice it, you got to make sure you're ready to go. That is Blues defenseman Tori Krug after the Blues win 0 for 7 on the power play last night in a 2-1 win over the Arizona Coyotes. Joining us in studio now is our Blues insider from the Athletic, the one, the only Jeremy Rutherford. Jr. good to see you. Good to see you guys. Hey, uh, any questions you got? I'm ready. The only thing I did want to say up front is if I'm talking and the Cardinals have their end-of-the-year press conference, you guys need to cut into that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're, 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 we're still waiting. I think, yeah. I think we're good. I think you're good to go ahead and finish this out. <laughs> yeah. Um, Oh, man. First of all, I think the Blues, in, in the circumstances that they're in, they take a 3 and one homestand, right? Yeah. And you, you look at it, I tweeted it last night, they've won three of their last four, Randy, and they're 0 for 10 on the power play, winning three or four games. Ooh, what happens when the power play is yeah. clicking? <laughs> when, you know, that's what I've been thinking, and, but then you get to thinking and you say, is the power play going to click? So... You know, a lot of times when things aren't happening with a team's overall game or a specific uh, area of the game, you think, man, if you could really get that going or get these three guys going, you're winning now. What's it going to look like then? Uh, I just don't know if you can say in two weeks when the power play gets going. That's what we're all waiting on. It, it feels like it's just like a dark, ominous cloud over the Blues. You were there last night. What were the players saying? We heard what Tory Krug said there. When he's talking about the guys... He's including himself in that conversation? Yeah, he definitely did. And you know, I think it was a couple of days ago I asked Craig Bruby with Tory Krug because he's been so prolific on the power play in Boston. I mean, that was probably one of the best power plays the league's seen in, in a long time when you talk about that group up there. But he comes here, and I think he's even had some good moments here with the power play. Uh, but I asked Craig Bruby, what are you not seeing with Tory Krug? And he just said the puck moving, the quick decisions, making things happen, being a step ahead. And not just with him, but I think we saw that all season, really, but last night again. And you think five on three for two minutes, Randy, that doesn't happen no. you know, a ton of time. You, you get 10 seconds, 20 seconds, mm-hmm. five on three, but you get a full two minutes, plus take a timeout, plus <laughs> keep the number one group out there the entire time. But you guys saw it, like passes that miss a guy and they fly yeah. out of the zone or you know guys are whiffing on shots that, you know I honestly thought going into that 5-1-3 okay they're going to get a goal here maybe this will start to get their confidence and it was the opposite we got a good text here from the 314 saying how to fix the Blues power play. All right. It says we can fix the Blues power play by firing the Cardinals hitting coach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're trying to we'll try anything at this anything. point, right? We're trying to figure it out. Poor Cardinal uh, coach is worried about his job every time he watches every the Blues time, game. He's like, what, what did I do? Yeah, the, the Blues obviously did win the game, and, and I think it's it's unfair to be critical after a win, but there are things obviously that you want to see better, the, the power play being one of them. And I was talking, we were talking to um, Joey earlier today about Pavel Bucinavich, and he said he said he thinks he's still dealing with a little bit of an injury. Are you seeing that from him as well? 
Yeah, you know, and Joe would probably have a better handle on that, you know, talking to the guys, and he probably gets a little more insight to the uh, to the injury front. But um, I just see a player who, like he said the other night, hasn't played up to his capability mm-hmm. in terms of offensively. I think he's doing a lot of the other things well, Kerry. Uh, but in terms of being in spots with a position to score – the past couple games, he hasn't done it, and he came out the other night and said, "Look, I haven't played very well." So, you know, if that's nagging at him and that's hurting him, you know, I guess that's part of the equation. Uh, but even with a potential injury factor, I think he's had a chance to bury a couple mm-hmm. and hasn't. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that just watching him, one of the things that stuck out is when we had Robert Thomas on last year. He was talking about how he can pass Bucinavich any type of pass, and it could be rolling, bouncing, and he's going to handle it and be able to shoot it. And we're seeing that now. It's just kind of bouncing over his stick, and it, it could be an injury, or maybe it's in, in his head at this point, because I know he wants to score, but it's just you get wide-open opportunities like he has had and not even gotten shots on goal. I'm sure that's very frustrating for him. Yeah, and I don't want to discount that because you know it was an upper-body injury, mm-hmm. and I think one day we did see him, you know, he, he came off the ice, he went in the locker room, and he kind of bandaged up up top. Mm-hmm. And so if he's not able to have strength on the puck in terms of getting those shots off right. close to the net, like we saw last night. I mean, he got robbed the other night on, yeah, on the one. Yeah, that was a great play by but, the defender. Yeah, but last night, you know, an open shot. So if, if the strength's not there to receive that pass, these hard passes that he gets from mm-hmm. Robert Thomas and put it in, I can understand that part of it. But I think that a uh, little bit pre-injury, and, and since then it just hasn't been the same Pavel Buchnevich. We talked so much early in the season about the new system and how – the Blues were getting out shot on a regular basis, and they just hadn't figured it out. Do you get the sense that the system is kind of finally being assimilated? Yeah, I feel like it, and, and I think they're getting to a point where they're comfortable with it. I, I talked a, a few days ago about how I felt like it was broken into two. You had your defense, and, and then you know usually you're used to the transition and creating offense from your defense, but I felt like there were two separate entities there for a while. Mm-hmm. But now it feels like they're really getting into the flow where they're transitioning into the offensive zone, and that is leading into some offense. You know, we can talk about the power play last night, and I get it, um, but on the drive home from the rink last night, I, I got to thinking about what some of the players were saying. You know, they closed that game out, and, and, and they won a tight game, which mm-hmm. a lot of the games this year have been a little higher scoring, separation, goal differential. But last night, with a team that's had their number, I think the Blues are 10-13-2 against Arizona since 2017-18. This is a team that's given them fits, get some good skilled players that burned them the last time the Coyotes were in town, and they closed out the game. So I understand what they're saying about, hey, we got to win. We'll talk about the power play later. we got to win. Scott Perunovich obviously stepping in last night. What did you see from him, and what were the players and him saying last night? Yeah, you know, the two games that he played early this season, Brooke, there was uh, seven defensemen in the lineup, 11-7 formation, but this time uh, just the six defensemen, so he got some extra playing time. I think he was just under, what, 14, 15 minutes. I think he touched the puck a lot. Uh, Bally had the stat at one point that he had touched the puck the most in the game. Uh, for the Blues at, at a buck and a half, a minute and a half. Uh, I think that he did some good things. He was jumping up in the play. I think in that first Blues goal, uh, it was Perinovich who stopped the puck, put it back into the zone. Verona takes it around. I guess the ref steps on it, and Sundquist puts it in the back of the net. So I think that that play right there got the Blues going. He made a play, Perinovich did, to create some offense. Um, I, I think that he needs to get into a stretch games, though, right? I mean, like he said at his locker stall a couple of days ago, can't play game or two, come back out, and then try to piece this together. So I, I think the Blues are going to give him a stretch, so we'll see how he can kind of progress each night. That's what I was going to say is his performance last night, was that enough to give him some more consistent playing time? 
I think so. I mean, you got a Colorado team uh, on Saturday, another quick team. You know, I, I think that we saw enough from him that he can handle himself defensively uh, last night with just the six defensemen, not having an extra guy that you can lean on. So I think that he'll be in the lineup, or at least I would guess, and, and then we'll see how that goes. And finally, we, we keep talking about the Blues having puck possession. And that's another thing that happened during the course of this homestand is in the three wins, you outshot your opponent each time. And the Corsi seems to be going up slowly but surely with each game. Fred Corsi, yeah. 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 <laughs> I think uh, for a stretch there, they had, what, uh, 35 shots in three of five games. So that's what I'm talking about earlier about that flow. Because before it was, you know, try to block a shot in the defensive zone if you can get the puck out, if you can, you know, find a loose puck you know then you're going to the other uh, zone and, and they, they just weren't working together but now it's it's doing that and I think that it's creating some offensive opportunities a lot more shots and I think the players have responded to Craig Bruby's directive of, guys let's just get the puck on that you know let, mm-hmm. let's just shoot the puck. definitely he talks a lot about the quality I get that but in this situation he, he said it a couple times uh, the other day that look hey I'm not opposed to quantity if it's we're just not flipping the puck you mm-hmm. know let, let's put it on net and I think we're starting to see more of that the past few Games. And at Colorado tomorrow, so the Blues will have their hands full against the Avalanche. But uh, hey, at some point you got to beat them. Yeah, and I think the Avalanche will be coming off a loss, if I'm not mistaken. And they have the Blues have Robert Thomas on a five-game goal streak. Bobby, and... Tommy, <laughs> you don't want to jinx it. Yeah, and I wanted to tell you guys that last night uh, after the game, you know, kind of a serious little scrum with reporters. He's answering pertinent questions, <laughs> and I said to uh, Robert Thomas because I listened to the show yesterday. Mm-hmm. I said, "Hey, at least the opening drive didn't jinx you yesterday on your offense when they asked you about it." And he said, "Yeah, thank God." You know, that's, that's, <laughs> he said, uh, "Funny time." We said with you guys yesterday. Aww. Beautiful. Uh, JR, great to have you with us. You're heading in to do the, uh, the podcast, right? Last Minute Blues podcast with uh, Donnie and Alex here coming up. We'll uh, record, and that should be out later today. Sounds great. Looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues Insider from The Athletic on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got our Rush Hour Reset. Stick around. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Recapping the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a Rush Hour Reset. Time for the Rush Hour Reset. 907 Time Check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The Blues took a 1-0 lead last night, then had the momentum turn against them when they failed on a five-on-three power play. Arizona tied the game, but the Blues got a goal by Robert Thomas and headed down the stretch with an opportunity to knock off the Arizona Coyotes. And did so by a score of 2-1. to one. So, hashtag LZ. It'll be Barrett Hayton against Robert Thomas with .2 seconds to go. Puck drop, blocked by Thomas. Now you can bring out the Zamboni. The St. Louis Blues get their first division win. They beat the Arizona Coyotes by a score of 2-1 to one tonight. And they close the homestand the same way they started it, with a victory in front of the home crowd. Curbs with the call. The Blues do go 3-1 and one on the homestand. And this morning, find themselves again in the second wild card spot in the NHL's Western Conference. You just got to hang around <laughs> I don't know if playoffs. we can. I don't know if we should be looking at that right now, right? Oh, yeah, you, the, because if you're eight points out at this point of the season, you're screwed. We saw that last year. Yeah. In fairness, at this point in the season last year, we were playing Sesame Street clips for almost yeah. every Blues segment. This is true. So I understand why Randy has taken is, two. Is, Listen, they're a playoff team. We're going to talk about it. Well, if you aren't going to... 
you aren't going to make the playoffs if you're seven, eight, nine, ten points out. Not that, this is, that is a fair point. You have to hang yes. around. <laughs> I think it's still early, though. It is but, very early. But you know what? It was early for the Cardinals, too. And when they, and they were 10 and 24. It was over early. And you, this I, is, at least you, you have a chance today. Is there any concern that this power play issue is going to be a lingering issue? Because yeah. at, at some point, I mean, we can talk about, oh, a record would be this if they were, but they haven't. So (laughs) how does it get fixed? And if it doesn't, (laughs) what does it mean? What does it mean? Yeah, I have no idea. I think there are a couple of things. Number one, there are people that are on the team on a daily basis that would love to see the personnel of the top power play unit changed. I am one who would love to see the schematics be a little bit different and I did like last night, even on the five on three, you, you got to shoot the puck, and they did take some shots, but they need to utilize their best people on the power play. And that includes Colton Pareko being at the right point, mm-hmm. getting the puck and blasting away. Yeah, I think that that's something. Why not at this point? Carrie, I heard you yesterday when you were on the fast lane mm-hmm. and you were just like, where's a one timer? Where? Because the thing is, is I get, and I know, <laughs> and I understood Jamie's explanation, but at this point, why not? Yeah. To seem like you're at least a little bit more of a threat who, who on the power play. does it, though? Because a couple of years ago, the Blues had Mike Hoffman. Perron was pretty good on the one-timer. Yes. Who who on this team is a one-timer person? I thought I saw Krug take one yesterday. Um, but, I, I mean, you... He, Whoever the whoever gets the puck, man, just shoot it. <laughs> just anybody. Oh, it's it's, it's, it's got to be a great pass, and you got to be able yeah. to hit the puck while it's moving. Yeah, shoot it. Get it. Get a take a chance. Take a chance. <laughs> just Give yourself a chance at yeah. this point. And yeah. I, w- what happened last night is uh, Krug specifically. I think he whiffed on one. Yes. Did he whiff? Yeah. Is that the one I was thinking of? I yeah. thought he took. I thought he shot one. He might have gotten went one. On. But I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, he he definitely whiffed on one in the five on three too. And that's, oh, well, that's been disappointing because I think that that's what. JR was saying there about, well, not JR, excuse me, but Jeremy was saying about um, just the way that that's the whole point of what was bringing him here. That's why you brought him here, right? Is for the power play and for him to be able to do that. What we saw in Boston, and I know that he's dealt with injuries over the past few years, but whatever is going on this season, I think that they were hoping that he was going to get back to form in that way on the power play. He, of course, is not the only one. But still, I think that we were expecting a little bit more. Am I alone in being more intrigued by 48 than 47? The Perunovic? Yeah. Uh, I, I see no. more from Perunovic. And that's I, why I'm I want more, more playing time. Yeah. Yeah, I too. want more playing time. And I know that they even moved him up. He got some looks on the top unit last night. I think that you need to give him more consistent playing time. Why not at this point? If it's not working, why not see if something different can happen? Right. Uh Pro football last night, the Bears over the Panthers by a score of 16-13. to 13. The first pick in the draft, Bryce Young, was 21 of 38 for 185 yards. No touchdowns, no interceptions. Is he frustrated? We're all frustrated. Frustrating situation to be in. It's not who, not who we are, not who we want to be, but that's what the we are. We put on tape. We are. We put on the field, and we have to be better. Um, Defense, ball, are, uh, great game, start to finish. We have to be better. I have to be better first and foremost. I have to be, I have to be a lot better. So you know, we have to be better. We, we, it's frustrating. It's very frustrating. Um, and that's not me. That's not just me. That, that's everyone. You know, we're competitors. Losing is, is frustrating. Yeah, it is. How many games? I'm looking up this. this How many number. games you lost in college? Yeah, I'm at two, uh, three, five, five. No, uh, two, four. 
Six. How many games has he lost this year? Eight. Yeah. Uh, you know what? No, because he, he left after his junior year, didn't he? So 2020. No, it, no, it was eight. Eight total uh, for Bryce Young. Or it, it, no. six, six in college. 19, got, 20, 21, 22. Four. Yeah, he didn't play in 19. He wasn't. He, he was on their roster? No, 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 no. That was still. Yeah, I got four. That was Tua or um, who was that in 2019? Who was their quarterback? Not Mac two. Jones? Yeah, two was their quarterback at in in nineteen. So he wasn't even on their roster. He no, he okay. he played. Uh, no, he was not. Twenty one, twenty one, and twenty two would be the two years that he started because Mac Jones was in twenty. He and played. So, yeah, he was he was a backup in twenty. He started and then he got all, pretty much all his stats in twenty twenty one, where he played fifteen games in twenty twenty two, when he played twelve. He has four losses in his college career and twice as many in his rookie year in the NFL. Gotta be, got to be frustrated. Not yeah, great. I would think some so. guys around, but they they were drafting very high, so that's kind of expected. And then they traded their best receiver to get him. So mm-hmm. it's kind of expected traded, as well. Traded this year's number one. Yep, yep. Next year's number guys. one. So not great. So the Panthers uh, will be vying with Arizona for the top pick in the draft. Oh, yeah, yeah. And one of those two will get a quarterback. Well, they'll both get quarterbacks, but one of them will get Caleb. Williams. I don't think Arizona is going to get a quarterback. I think they're going to be okay with what they got. With Kyler? Mm-hmm. Really? Got to figure it out. I think. Right, we'll see. Yeah. Kyler's at, at that fifth-year option time, too. Kyler's film room. How they doing? Yeah, they're kind of scuffling. Scuffling. <laughs> 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 Made a big deal last night, though. Oh. oh yeah. Yeah. What was it? Was it a big deal? A little yeah. deal. A little deal. Yeah. Brooke was desperate. Brooke made a mistake of forgetting about her fantasy football team and oh. that we are a two quarterback league, which I absolutely hate. I do. Too. And it's I one of my quarterbacks, of course, on a bye week, and I needed a quarterback. So I just went scouting for some QBs and there was Josh Dobbs over in Kyler Kyler's film room. So luckily Randy made a trade with me because I needed a quarterback. Because <laughs> all I had was Baker Mayfield as my other quarterback and Tua. It's my main. I don't even it's kind of like Mo with sometimes. the Indians or the, the Guardians. You know, I, I need a guy. Got a guy? I was desperate. I got a guy for you. Got a guy. You know when you don't check your matchup and then you go, and like one guy has a good game in Thursday Night Football and you go check it on Friday morning and you're like, I, there's no chance. It's like the one guy. Oh, yep, it's the one guy who's had a good game Thursday Night Football. Who, who of course, it? Cole Komet's on the, on the roster oh, I'm facing yeah, tomorrow. Come him. on. Uh, you don't play. Kerry did that for a whole season last year. It was the worst decision <laughs> of my damn life. One of them. <laughs> yeah, Logan Thomas, both of them. Get the hell away yeah. from me. There's your Rush Hour Reset on 101 ESPN because we know you care about our fantasy football teams. Uh, coming up next, <laughs> CBS Sports has a list of available pitchers for the Cardinals to trade for. Would you is coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. They list the potentially available pitchers in trades for this offseason. So, number one, Dylan Cease, White Sox. Possible landing spots, Astros, Cardinals, and Rangers reviewed as the top destinations at the trade deadline. There's no reason to think those clubs won't circle back this offseason. He, of course, in 2022 was second in the American League Cy Young voting. Didn't have as good a year, but it's my understanding that it really wasn't a cease thing. We read how bad the culture was with the White Sox, and we know how bad their team was. And uh, 
apparently if Dylan Cease is put into a positive environment, he would be able to return to the form. So if it's Gorman and Graceffo, do you do a Dylan Cease deal? Now, I'm going to go back to when we were talking about Noah earlier. Do you have concerns about if you bring in any of these young pitchers via trade, and I'm looking at Logan Gilbert and Dylan Cease in particular, do you have any concerns about Dusty Springfield working with them and making sure that he can maximize their talents? 100% concern. Yes, I am thoroughly concerned about those guys. I uh, Because I, I just don't know if, like Dave Duncan did, or like at times Derek Lilliquist did, or as Mike Maddox did, I don't know if Balake has the ability at this stage of his career to fix pitchers. But there's also no doubt that the Cardinals need more talent. And if uh, if Blake Ahern can't fix him in 2024 and the Cardinals are bad, then you're going to have somebody else try to fix him in 2025. I, I I'd rather think, have I'd rather have the talent on my team. <laughs> I think we got to give Dusty Blake an opportunity. First year, last year, an opportunity to see. You know, you don't know what you don't know. You learn some things. You figure out what works for each person. And I think all of that has to be done. You know, it gets done during spring training. We we talk about the World Baseball Classic, and we forget that. You know, when you got new coaches and players are not there, specifically pitchers, you're missing out on time to work with them. And now season starts. It's it's rapid. It's going extremely fast. So there's my there might there's probably not as much time to get the things done as you need. So hopefully spring training this off season, and then once spring training comes, it's an opportunity to get the pitchers in, figure out who they are, what they are, what they like to throw, and this is for Wilson Contreras as well. All of them sitting down, and I think you know that's a good part of if you were to have a Yadier Molina, that would be able to kind of put all of those pieces together also. So. It's going to be a big, big offseason for the Cardinals pitching staff, for the front office, for everybody involved to see how well this goes. Okay, let's give you the next one. Shane Bieber, strikeouts per nine innings over the course of the last four years, 14.2, 12.5, 8.9, 7.5. His strikeouts per nine have dropped in each of the last three seasons after leading the American League at 14.2 in 2020. Concerns about Shane Bieber, would you give up a premium to get him. He was a name that was being talked about a lot, and then it just kind of tailed off for whatever reason. It, I don't know if it was because of the performance or people weren't seeking him or he wasn't sought after as much as, as he was prior to the trade deadline or, or right around that. It just feel like it, it feels like it fell off right before the trade, day, trade deadline and no one was really interested in him anymore. I'm, I'm in the position mentally where I think, again, I pref- would prefer Dylan Cease. We've talked mm-hmm. about that. I think he's the best of the non-free agent pitchers that you can go out and get. If you get a Shane Bieber, then you would have to get a 1A. That's the that's the issue that the Cardinals are having right now. Either you're going to get the 1A in free agency or you're going to get the 1A via trade. And so if you get a Shane Bieber, I don't think he's your 1A. You would have to go get an Aaron Nola or a Yamamoto. If you get a Dylan Cease, well, then you could probably go get a Sonny Gray. Somewhere in between free agency and trading, you got to find that one and two starter. Yeah, that's what I think, too, is that you need to be able to figure this out trade-wise. And that's what concerns me is, one, we know the Cardinals have some issues of trading away some talent, and you get burned by that in the long run. We've seen all that. We've talked about it all season, all the former Cardinals playing in the World Series and all the different kind of stuff, playing in the playoffs. You worry about that, but then you also worry about the Cardinals when it comes to free agency. And it seems like in my opinion, that they're going to go and get Sonny Gray. So then who is going to work best with him? And I do think that Dylan Cease would be the best option. Okay, let's look at Tyler Glass now. Big fella. He's not a little fella. 
He's no Sonny Gray. He's 6'8 and 225. Hasn't pitched a lot due to injury, although last year he was 10 and 7 with a 3.53. Had 162 strikeouts in 120 innings. He's got great stuff. He's under contract next year for one year before free agency at $25 million. And what CBS Sports says is, while every team would love Glass now, one year of control means his market will be limited to teams expecting to contend in 2024. Figure the Cardinals, Cubs, Dodgers, Giants, Mets, and Padres. Do you have the guts to trade somebody with a level of control to, of all teams, the Tampa Bay Rays? Well, I think if it's going to be a trade, it's going to be less than what you would expect for a Dylan Cease or even a Logan Gilbert. Mm -hmm. Because if you're talking about a trade with Dylan Cease and Logan Gilbert, they're asking for Nolan Gorman. They're asking for young, controllable, and very talented. And obviously, a a lot of people are asking for Gorman. Now, with Tyler Glass now... I think that they would be asking for Alec Burleson. That would be the bat that I could see them looking for. Mm -hmm. Controllable, but not exactly the premium when you're looking at Nolan Gorman. So if you're the Cardinals, you look at it as we already have this issue in the outfield of a lot of options going into the season once again. We're okay with losing another outfielder. Now, I know that they were very high, especially Ole Marmol on Alec Burleson. So that might be a little bit tougher for them to part but with. But that also might be why a franchise like Tampa would be really interested in him, despite the the numbers that we see, the underlying numbers that the Cardinals saw were really good, and that might be a reason why a franchise like Tampa would be interested in a player like Burleson. But overall, glass out for one year? You, you're going to give up a premium? The injuries. The, his injury history is what concerns yeah. me. What yeah. version? I think this has been his healthiest season in recent years, if I'm correct. Yeah, of, of this group, he would be my third choice. Now, this one, I think we can be quick. Is Milwaukee going to trade Corbin Burns to the Cardinals, even with only one year of control no, left? No, probably not. No. Okay, so that's not going to happen. Logan Gilbert, possible landing spots. Every team could use a guy like Gilbert, and that's especially true, uh, they say, for the Orioles, but they also include the Cardinals, who had interest in him at the trade deadline, as a franchise that could use a Logan Gilbert. The... Mariners need bats, they, especially they've lost Teoscar Hernandez now to free agency. Apparently the Dodgers are interested in him. And they could still use second and third base production as well. So would you give up second or third base production, a guy like Nolan Gorman, uh, Nolan Gorman or would you give up a young outfielder? For which young Logan outfielder yes, are we, are which we referring to? Uh, again, Lars... we'll go back to... Uh, probably not Newt Bar. I okay. think Newt Bar looks like an untouchable to me. So Not Walker? Not Walker. So there we are again with, with Carlson Burleson. or Burleson or Donovan. Brendan Donovan. I, I, Would you do, do Brendan Donovan for Logan Gilbert? Probably have to give up something else, too. A pitcher? Yeah. A minor? Or yeah. Graceffo. Yeah. I, it, it depends on, for me... I would love to have seen some of those guys, McGreevy, Graceffo, I would have loved to seen them called up in September so you could at least get eyes on them and see what they are, who they are. I, I think we've been down this road before where they, where the Cardinals tend to, where they have traded prospects or traded guys and they haven't had an opportunity to play in the big leagues and then they go on and have success elsewhere. I think that's a, a recipe for disaster. You need to know what you have. Again, I've said this time and time again, playing in the minors, playing in the big leagues are two totally different yep. things. And it's it's still baseball, but there is so much more to it when you become a pro. And learning how to be a pro can impact how well you perform on the field. So 
you don't know what those guys are. They're they're either doing really well or doing well in, or doing poorly in the minors. If they're poorly, they're not going to get caught up either way. But if they're performing well, you need to have them on your roster to see, hey, Matthew who Libertor. is this guy? Mm-hmm. What is this guy? And if he's not good enough after a few opportunities, okay, we can go elsewhere. Okay, you know so it's easier to sell potential. Mm-hmm. So the potential without having seen them in the majors yet, because if they yeah. go to the majors and they're getting freaking. I mean, beat up, then that value possibly goes down. And just look at the recent Cardinal history of all these hot pitching yes. prospects that they've had that have either been injured or not worked out. I'm I'm Alex willing Reyes. to look at the history and take my chances. Alex Reyes come to mind. Alex Reyes is one Flaherty. Mm-hmm. Uh, is certainly in Alex that group. Alex Reyes was supposed to be. They've had, yep. Cardinals have had... Dakota Hudson won 16 games. Yeah, they have had some some bad luck as well. Yeah, they have. And so, <laughs> I, I'm anticipating bad luck, so I want to get yeah. somebody who's established. So with, uh, with Burns, well, scratch him off then. So <laughs> assuming that we aren't going to get Corbin Burns, here is my order, guys. Cease one, Gilbert two, Glasnow three, Bieber four. Yes. I'm okay you agree? Cardinals? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Listen up. That, that is the way to go with that. And Dylan Cease, I think I would do whatever it takes to make that possible. Me too. Except for maybe a Jordan Walker. Yeah, J-Dub and Wynn aren't going Yeah. There. The young stars. It's gonna be it's gonna be one of those left-handed guys. And it don't is. be mad. There's a lot of people. I totally understand you that don't want to trade Nolan Gorman. We have to come to grips with the fact that a the Cardinals need pitching, and that's how you win the World Series is to have pitching. And b Nolan Gorman may become Kyle Schwarber. It's a scary prospect. He probably will become Kyle Schwarber, but the starting pitching is worth it because you don't find yourself in the World Series unless you have starting pitching. Who's more important for the Cardinals team in 2024? Is it Brendan Donovan or Nolan Gorman? Brendan Donovan. Well, then Because he can be your leadoff hitter. Okay. You can find middle of the lineup guys. Nukbar will probably be, if, if you include now your number two hitter as a middle of the lineup guy, I think you're looking at... Donovan, Newt Barr, again, Goldie, Arenado, Walker. Mm-hmm. I think you've got a, a top five. And so Nolan Gorman would fit in there when he plays, but I think you've got a lot of other options. Does Donovan play every day next year? Yes. Where? He needs to. If if Edmund is in center, which they're saying, I think he's your second baseman. Yep. Okay. And then eventually Victor or Scott will come around and, and possibly be. Where does he play? Uh, Victor Scott. Goes to well, base. see, then what happens is that uh, you have. Scott and Edmund in the outfield. That's probably when Jordan Walker moves into first after next year, and Goldie is probably out of here as a free agent. Okay. So we're looking ahead. We're Mo. We're even looking for twenty twenty five for you. <laughs> You're welcome. We're, we're building a future here. Uh, we are uh, coming up. How will what happens with Jim Harbaugh affect the college football playoff? It's going to be interesting. It's next on one hundred one ESPN. Back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. scandal at Michigan continues to unfold. Heather Dinich of ESPN reporting this morning. The sources indicate a Big Ten response is coming early this afternoon. Michigan leaves at 1 o'clock and flies mid-afternoon out of Detroit after getting through security checks. That is their usual routine. Harbaugh's lawyer, Jim Harbaugh's lawyer, saying that he fully expects Harbaugh to be on the plane to Happy Valley. And Heather Dinich also adds that please remember the Big Ten has considered a wide range of punishments. Everything from indefinite suspension to public rep- rec- 
reprimand or lofty fine, uh, sources tell me, Heather Dinich, and ESPN's Adam Rittenberg. No assumptions. We have to wait for the news, but a suspension is certainly on the table. She says if it's more than two games or $10,000, the Big Ten will need special permission from an executive board composed of league reps. And so we should find out the punishment for Michigan and Jim Harbaugh by this afternoon. So you remember when I, I told you all Mike Tomlin and Antonio Brown had the the you know the video playing in the mm-hmm. locker room before they were playing the Colts. I mean before they played the Patriots and Mike Tomlin came out after that and said, "Yeah, we're going to punish him. We're not going to punish us. Mm-hmm. Meaning we'll find him. We're not going to suspend him or sit him down." The Big Ten is saying the same thing. I, I, we're going to we're going to punish him. We're not going to punish us because if they go too far, Michigan has already told you, "Hey, we have receipts of other people doing the same." or similar, having similar tactics as us. And if you want to pull on this thread and watch it unravel and see how far it goes, it's going to be really bad for the Big Ten. And I think that is something that they are aware of. They probably have, you know, an idea as to how deep this can go. And and Michigan is not the only team that has done this. I am sure of it. I don't have proof of that. But I, I it's college football. Guys are, are trying to gain an edge every single day. And so – Michigan, I've never seen a, an opposing team send a coach to sit on another team's sideline to watch the, po- the team that they're going to play in a few weeks. Never seen that. But, you know, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. And I think they're all cheating to some degree. And Michigan has allegedly some of those receipts to show the Big Ten that, hey, we all are doing this. So don't just punish us, punish everybody. Are you saying that our sacred sports might be tainted I mean, in yeah. some way <laughs> or fashion? Hey, hey, man. <laughs> now, here's a, here's a big question. <laughs> If, indeed, Jim Harbaugh is suspended, that would take the Wolverines through the rest of the regular season. That would include, presumably, tomorrow, although he would, I would think, file a lawsuit and get a temporary restraining order. I have to believe that Michigan already has those wheels in motion Mm -hmm. to go to court, but it would also include the Ohio State game. So a suspension of Jim Harbaugh affects the overall product of college football because that would probably, if Michigan does have a chance to beat Ohio State, prevent them from having a chance to beat Ohio State and affect the college football playoff. Yeah, I mean, it does. It impacts everything, right? It changes the landscape of of college football. But I think the college football playoff committee has already come out and said, we don't deal in those. We don't have any anything to do with whether or not a team is punished and how that impacts us. We're we're basically voting off of what we see on the field, and mm-hmm. right now Michigan is a top four team in the country based off of that. But Other would you things think, aside, Kerry, would you think that what you see on the field from Michigan would be changed if Jim Harbaugh isn't on the sidelines? I wouldn't. I wouldn't know that until actually after I actually saw it. And and the good thing for the college football playoff, you got Michigan and Ohio State in the top four. You know what they do every year? They play. Mm-hmm. So one of them is going to have a loss. That's and so why the I'm other thinking one, that the, uh, not it, having Harbaugh on that sideline against Ohio State could play a huge role yeah, in it, how this season ends up. And, or they might win. I think they've won the last two or three years in a two row. So a row, yep. you you could have a situation where they win and Ohio State is the one that's out. I don't think it's going to be – I think it all will sort itself out as it does every single year with the Final Four. Um, But I don't think that the the playoff committee will punish Michigan for activities that that have nothing to do with what they're seeing and what they're watching. I don't really believe that there will be any sort of punishment other than just the public shame punishment. That feels like that's the only thing that's going to really happen. And then it will blow over and people forget about it because people always forget about it. Does that work? 
what the public shame. shaming shame shame no people that's have about it about cheeseburger gate haven't they <laughs> oh exactly things yeah. blow over now so quickly in this day and age of social media people have such like a short attention span that they move on to the next big story and you know that's what's going to happen here do you truly believe okay what do you think is the harshest punishment that they will get out of this, honestly. A fine, hundred thousand okay. dollars. I agree. Hundred fifty thousand. Some, yeah. some that look six figure fine that makes it feel like they are truly going after uh, the the university and the head coach, but not um, something significant enough to where he's missing games, missing time, and really putting their team in a position to not have the success that they've already shown that they've had this year. Now, what do you think should be the punishment? In your opinion, what do you think? Would be if if we were if this is a fair world, if you got the a fairest guy, punishment. If you put a guy, if if let me tell you something, if a team that I was playing sent a, an opposing sent their coach to watch on the opposing team sideline with the opposing <laughs> team's gear on to watch our signals, I would be livid, and I would say that's that's probably a little well, bit too far, and it's ridiculous. Depends on your team. One time during the nineteen ninety nine season, oh, do tell for the Rams, mm-hmm. I'm standing there watching practice. And it was near the end of practice. And Dick Vermeil always allowed the media to watch practice. And I th- thanked him for allowing us to watch practice. And he said, we could have Steve Mariucci standing here right next to you. He was a 49ers coach. He said he could watch our whole practice all week long, and we'd still beat the 49ers. The only team that can beat us is us. Mm. Because... He had so much more talent than San Francisco did. Right. That's what it comes down to is players making plays, right? Nah, Ultimately. It, it, well, it does help if I know that you're running toss right I, and I put <laughs> 10 people on the on the – on that side to make sure you don't run that way. Uh, it, it helps if I see the signal, like, oh, hey, they're throwing the ball to the flat. Jump it. Uh, that – that helps. It's a screen. Okay, we're gonna we're not gonna keep rushing the quarterback. We know that this is a screen. We're gonna stay on the running back. In ninety five, DeMarco used help. to stand on the sideline and yell to the opposing offense, They're throwing it to eighty. <laughs> to the opposing defense. We're, we're throwing it to 80. He's the only player we got. <laughs> the year he had like 100 and some. 119 catches. Yeah, and everybody yeah. knew exactly where the ball was going. So Better I, players are going to make plays against lesser players. Exactly. Well, we got some texts that came in and they said we would like to see vacating games and a suspension. That's what I was thinking. I think in, a, in, the, fair, in the fairest way possible, fair yeah. world, that it would be a postseason ban. But we know that that wouldn't happen for them. Starting in 2024. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. It would not happen. <laughs> It would not happen. Somebody else said, explain to the listeners how this isn't called scouting the other team, which is something that a lot of people have brought up. There's a rule against it. The NF, uh, the uh, Big Ten has a rule against going to another stadium to scout a team on any level, not just for uh, signals. You cannot send an advanced scout to That's a Big Ten game. Strange. It is. But, I mean, I guess there's so much video, you don't need to do that. But... Uh, <laughs> I would assume every team does that. Goes to an opposing team's game, watches how they how they do things, you know, in the game. Should have and, a spot in the press box for those yeah, guys. You're gonna, <laughs> and then you have somebody right? watching High them. school guys, you guys trade we, tapes, we right? Trade film, and, yep. and, and you'll go sit in the stands yep. for an yep, opposing team, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, not a problem. Yeah, They play on Friday and you play them in the following week. Yeah, Big Ten is weird. But maybe the line is where you go and put on spy glasses. I think yeah, that's that the line. line. I think that's the line is drawn when he turned in his Michigan shirt and put on a Central Michigan shirt. And that was, that's a bridge too far for me. Well, oh. at least uh, they were they were buddies. Yeah. 
Yeah. At least yeah. he has a vacuum business yeah. to fall back uh, on. To fall back on. Yes. Yep. yes. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch with Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Rock and Roll. Matthew, what do you got for us? Well, there was uh, some change in baseball yesterday. It wasn't in the players' free agent market. If you saw it, there was a broadcaster that actually sh- shifted in the division as the Chicago White Sox lost their play-by-play man, Jason Bonetti, to the Detroit Tigers. And when I saw this news, I obviously was aware of the name, but it didn't really hit me uh, until I saw the media availability that Jason Bonetti did after the news was announced. And he gave, in my opinion, maybe one of the best answers I've heard from a broadcaster about their job really in the last 20 years or so. So here's Jason Bonetti yesterday after he made the switch from the White Sox to the Tigers talking about coming to Detroit. But part of my life has been I am somebody who does not walk like the average human being. I have an eye that drips. I have cerebral palsy. Like that is part of me. Right. And and I quite often get reactions that are not completely representative of who I am as a full person, right? I am, I'm physically different, but mentally I can hold a conversation. And so I do think I get, I guess you would say underestimated sometimes and not to say it with a chip on my shoulder, but that's just the way life works. Like sometimes people think I can't do stuff and from a distance, again, gross generalization alarm going off, but from a distance, I think that's how Detroit gets treated. I think quite often Detroit is not known for its passionate fans or what it's done for the music industry. I think people reduce Detroit to a couple of statistics and I don't like seeing people and a whole place get reduced to anything. And I know how much people care. And I know like how much people here want to just matter and be seen for what they are and not some overgeneralization. So to me, as I've thought about this, like that is where we link up. And that is why, you know, They'll make the decision on me. Like, I can't say we're going to be the best of friends right away because that's super presumptuous of me. But that's where I think Detroit and I really get along. He might not want to presume it, but I will. Detroit's going to love this freaking guy. That's pretty nice. Yeah. That's pretty good. That was so sweet. Yeah. That was an incredible Aww. sentiment. I know, it's, I know it's about Detroit fans. I'm sorry, Randy. Well, yeah. <laughs> you make it through them? At least it's not about Red Wing fans. It's no, like, no. It's, yeah, it's more about, <laughs> about all 25 Tiger fans. <laughs> Oh. God. But overall, it it, it personally hit me too because party it, with all of his best friends. It personally hit me too because you know there's a part in that clip where I mean obviously if you're from St. Louis I think there's a part of that clip that hits you too because you can replace St. Louis in Detroit and the 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 sentiment doesn't change you know the, the sports history what you know the effect that St. Louis has had on the music scene but it gets reduced consistently to a statistic and so I know it was about Detroit We're but I couldn't one. help but hear St. Louis when I heard about that I, I I'm, I'm again he didn't say it about St. Louis but that's what I thought and I thought that was just an incredible uh, sentiment from Jason Benetti I think Tiger's well, got a real one that's a free agency win and already. it resonated with you he, he's also known for being a great joke teller oh, he's which fantastic. I like I I like people who add the personality and the fun during the broadcast. 
Uh, Detroit is the number three most dangerous city. Hello. Oh, so you're saying, and then who's number one? We are the champions, <laughs> my friend. I don't know if you want to be the champion in that. Crime. I read somewhere it went down twenty percent, which hey, is like yeah, the still number drop. one. How can I? Those numbers. How could anyone on the show ever you know, ever accidentally come out with a negative point or anything like that? I try, I try to be heartfelt and real and just. Randy just goes and drives a steamroll right over the moment. No, I can relate to the guy. Because we are dismissed, too, as a city with atchephoria. I'm sorry, what was that? Uh, the, the eye disease atchephoria, one eye looking at you, one eye looking for you. Atchephoria. Randy just staring at Rock. His rock frogs. I walked right into it, didn't I? Like like a rabbit into a trap. Like like a mouse to to the freaking sheet. Did you hear the Did you hear the first ten seconds of the cut? I did. Yeah. Oh man. You should have known. I didn't see it coming. To be honest, I didn't see that one coming. I thought I was clear. I feel like it's so... You can tell when Randy is just amping up for the show. I didn't think that's what it was going to be, though. Like, I thought it was going to be much darker and not nearly as dad jokey. He had a much more, like... You're gonna want to hit the dump button after I do this kind of <laughs> look on his face, and so that's what I was prepared for. Okay. Oh my god. Uh, well, good for good Jason Bidet. He's Jason Bidet. a really good broadcaster. Mm-hmm. And, and apparently, uh, by so. the way, this this kind of drives home what's going on 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 the on the south side of Chicago. Apparently, um, they didn't like his jokes in the uh, owner's suite. Oh. oh. And why would you yeah. want to stick with a team that's not going to have Dylan Cease anymore? There you go. Or oh wait, I was going to say or Tim. Anderson, but one of those has already happened. Yeah, Randy, one's already one of them still kind of up in the air. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, Dylan. Uh, great, great job. Sees. Great week by our producer, audio, video engineer. You, you, you added video engineer yep. this week. Congratulations. Yeah, it was a big week. Going. Good job. Hey, thanks, guys. Uh, Pleasure. Brooke, was this a fun week? Yes, it was. Did you hate my joke at the no, end? No, I loved mean? your joke. How about that? How about that? How about that? <laughs> CD, what are you going to do this weekend? Watch your face. We want to see your face. Who said that? You want to see my face? I'm going to rest. Poor, poor <laughs> Kerry isn't going to have a week for the first time no, no. in uh, three months where he hasn't been angry all weekend. He, this is true. <laughs> now, you are correct in that. I'm, I will be sitting down. Wait resting. till Saturday night. Good. Oh, Saturday oh. night? What happened Saturday night? Yeah. Uh, nah, when, I te- when I text you, M-I-Z. And I say L-O-S-E. Uh, We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. We've got a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax coming up for all of us until Monday morning at 7. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.